Hello everybody and welcome to another Nonsense Retrospective. I'm your host as always Rick and joining me equally as always is Devin. Hello. <laughs> and today we're doing a bit of a sequel today. We're talking about Amphibia again but before we get into that let's start with the time on a tradition of the Nonsense Asinine Hypotheticals. And do you have one for me today? I do. Kingdom Hearts 4 has been confirmed. Yeah. You get given the writer's pen, as it were, to uh, to put Amphibia as a world in Kingdom Hearts 4. Now, I, I know you've not played Kingdom Hearts, or not played sure. much of it anyway, but do you know the general gist of how a world works? Like, you've got a, you got a hub bit and you go out from it, right? Not and really, got, no. And you've got a, um, a single person from the series that can join your party. That bit's correct. It's not really a hub as, as much as, like, uh, they'll take a snapshot. I'm going by Kingdom Hearts 1 logic, admittedly. Kingdom Hearts 2 is a different beast and Kingdom Hearts 3 is weird but um, you, t- you take basically a snapshot from the film and the entire level revolves around that so for example with Halloween Town it's just Halloween Town at one moment you go off and you do the Oogie Boogie boss fight but that's about it sure sure so like you take one area and one conflict that's you condense that into your version of the world for the Kingdom Hearts level so how do you do that for Amphibia I think for Amphibia it would actually be the season 1 finale like the it's kind of the battle for Wartwood but it's all the Wartwood residents in the Toad Tower so like a pseudo stealth level where you can like go through beat up some toads and then have a final boss battle with Sasha well I get what you're saying stealth isn't really a thing in Kingdom Hearts I know but you know what I mean like a pseudo stealth level no I don't know what you mean I want you to Kingdom Hearts flavour it not just video game flavour it (laughs) (laughs) okie dokie you distract the toads by throwing Donald out into the world and they have an existential crisis that a duck which can necessarily which should be able to eat almost any tadpole of any of the amphibians is now here and they have to deal with it. Well here, here's and the thing because uh, they established very early on in Kingdom Hearts 1 that uh, Donald Duck has camouflage magic which is why they always get goofy costumes whenever they go to different worlds because it automatically blends you into the world. Okie dokie. Uh, does it ever malfunction? No. Okay. So it wouldn't nec- it wouldn't accidentally turn them into newts and then newts going around the toad tower in the, in the frog siege. Uh, well no <laughs> but like if the magic thought that their best camouflage would be newts seeing as they're clearly the top of the hierarchy at that point yeah, then uh, and, there's no reason also, why the characters wouldn't take the form of newts like I'm pretty sure Sora would probably take the form of a frog minimum yeah 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 it's one of those like I, I, well actually between the three they could have one of each very easily they could um, they do that in the uh, Little Mermaid level yeah Goofy being the tall one he can be a newt uh, Donald being the odd one out he can be a toad and Sora being the hero can be a frog well considering Sora's moveset he, he, he you could give Sprig a keyblade and you wouldn't know the difference i'll put it that way yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's just uh, it's just a young yoda <laughs> i mean yeah yoda was once <laughs> described by i think johnny vegas as a nine million year old frog on cat <laughs> But he has, to, he has to ration his drugs now. But yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have as much cartilage left. But yeah, I, th- I think the Toad Tower part would actually be a decent snapshot into the series. Um, I think doing the final battles would be a bit too spoilery, you know? Like, it's still a finale, but the final battle has a bit more baggage. But it's it's odd, really, because I've been thinking about this for a while. And, sure. Um, well, I say a while, uh, about three days. <laughs> 
and uh, I, I actually entirely agree. If you're going to put the Kingdom Heart, if you're going to do Amphibia and Kingdom Hearts, you do season one end game. You have Grime yeah. or Sa- and or Sasha be the villain, and uh, yeah, you work from that. You there, there is too much setup involved to establish the actual overarching conflict in a single Kingdom Hearts level. Yeah, like like you can do a double team as well, Sasha and Grime, and you team up with Anne, and therefore it's a two v two, and therefore I, it's fair. The, the only problem there is uh, it would probably lean more towards Grime being the villain because uh, season one Grime is a piece of shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no beating around the bush there. And the the end boss of pretty much every Kingdom Hearts level, at least in Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 3 to a certain degree, is a big fuck-off Heartless that is summoned by the villain because they, they, they're evil and they can kind of control it but not really. Yeah. But someone who's an actual heel, at least in that point in time in the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like but- Pete. <laughs> Well, Pete never actually summons a, a big fuck off heartless. Like he summons the shitlings, but kind of anyone can do that. Let's be honest. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> It's, it's that weird thing where Pete never goes full heel. Like, he's a heel because he doesn't like Mickey Mouse, but he's not a heel in that he wants to commit genocide. Okay, so he's an ankle. I guess. <laughs> uh, for a second now, I thought you were being clever and calling him an angry uncle, but no, you just mean no. ankle because it's near the heel. Uh, <laughs> so that's an embarrassing moment I'm not going to live down anytime soon in my dreams. But, um... But yeah, I, I think you could do something cool, like have uh, have Wartwood be the intro and it be attacked by Heartless, and then move on to Toad Tower, as you say, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Big Boss Grime. You could have a, you could have so much fun with just a bunch of different uh, amphibian flavored Heartless. Yeah, yeah, totally. And also, he might even fire the sympathetic toes like Braddock and um, the other one whose name escapes me, and he replaces them with Heartless because they're more efficient, and they kind of join your team as well. Yeah, that could work. A, a very interesting thing they did in Kingdom Hearts 3, as opposed to Kingdom Hearts 1, and, and 2 to a certain extent, is you could have more than one additional party member, Okay. and they would fight with you full full stop. You wouldn't have to... In Kingdom Hearts 1, it was literally FF logic of, you got three party members, if you want Tarzan in your party, you got to boot off Donald or Goofy. Yeah, yeah. But in Kingdom Hearts 3, no, you just have an extra party member for that stage, and pretty much every stage had one at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like the Monsters Inc. level, you had Sully and Mike. The Toy Story level, you had Buzz and Woody instead of, you know, just one or the other. Fair enough, fair enough. And it would like, be a really cool touch if, like, at the end, when you revisit the stage, Sasha has a semi face turn a bit early, admittedly, and you have both teaming up with you until, you know, whenever you head back. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it would be really neat to have that because seeing Grime as an actual villain who's willing to tear down the world rather than someone who just wants to conquer a little bit because, you know, he sees himself as, at that point on the food chain, might actually be enough to trigger Sasha into having an early face turn anyway, so it does track, you know? Yeah, but it's also just a matter of moving story elements to to suit Kingdom Hearts' bullshit fucking uh, formula. <laughs> yeah, that and the kids have iPads. If they see Donald Duck coming and being against a villain, they're like, oh, oh, um, yeah, maybe we should side with Donald Duck. <laughs> but again, Donald won't look like Donald. Okay, yeah, sure. But he still sounds like like him. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see someone who looks a little bit like someone who could be in your world, and they they talk completely incomprehensible duck language. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, now he is co- he is cohesive. Yeah, 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 yeah. With subtitles, he is at least. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've uh, hammered on a bit long about that fantasy booking. I know I was giving you some shit, but it's uh, it's one of those where you you got to fit to that Kingdom Hearts formula, son. That's the question. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't blame you. 
But yeah, the one that I have for you is, we've seen Amphibia work with amphibians. Do you think a similar show could work with another subcategory of animals? And if so, which one would you choose? I mean, the amount of movies, granted not series, but movies that have just been, oh look, it's ants, it's bugs life. Like, insects are an endless fucking uh, source for this type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you get is me. It, uh, yeah. So are you going with insects? Well, insects is probably a bit too broad, but you know, like, fuck, if you want to do it literally like amphibia, like, do arachnophobia, but good. Like, because that okay. gives you spiders, uh, scorpions, and crabs. Yep. Uh, <laughs> are you feeling it, Mr. Crabs, indeed? Oh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, that good impression does not rectify the hate I feel. Yeah, are you feeling it, Mr. Krabs? Mm. In case you couldn't tell, yeah, Rick is the voice guy. Yeah, let, let's stop now. Uh. But yeah, if I, if I ha- if it was pinned, pinned into a corner, it would definitely be that. But like, Amphibia is not unique for doing this. It's not, absolutely. But like, it's one of those where I feel it was... It's unique in how sympathetically it portrays creatures that are normally kind of abhorrent to normal people. Well, I think the only reason why toads aren't looked down upon so much in our generation is our generation was semi-brought up by Harry Potter and Neville had a toad. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those where amphibians in general get the short end of the stick because they're not cool as cool as reptiles, yeah. but they're gross still. Yeah, they're slimy. They're slimier than reptiles, and yet they can still swim a bit like fish. And if you've ever bonded with a fish, then there's you're on a different level to most other people. You can absolutely bond with a fish because because I think I've said this before on the podcast, um, there's a specific type of cichlid called... I uh, can't remember the scientific name, but everyone calls them Oscars, and they are... Sh- I shit you not, they're just dogs in fish bodies. Yeah, you can, like, diddle your fingers in the water and they'll just pop out for a pet. Well, like... Not, um, not pop out, but pop up. When I was a kid, we had a really big fish tank. I'm talking, like, six, eight feet. It took up a wall. It wasn't very tall, but it was long, you know? And we had an Oscar, <laughs> and if you walked up and down the tank, he would follow you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I think I've also said it on the podcast before, but we had... Sturlets, which are little tiny sturgeons, and yeah, if you diddle your fingers, they'd come up for a stroke. Yeah, fair enough. Which was uh, cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as cute as fish can be, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, this this formula could work for anything, but I think you've got to steer away from mammals and uh, avians as well. Yeah, birds are a weird one where they can be made sympathetic, they can be made cute. Like a lot of them are already cute, but the thing is, they don't have fingers, and they don't have something that you can re- real realistically make into fingers without turning it into a complete cartoon, you know? Um, and I think the only mammals that I think would work with this that aren't just straight-up furries is if you just narrow it down to marsupials. Even then, I don't I don't think... I think because they're so... Uh, such companion animals already mm-hmm. that uh, it, it wouldn't really give you the same vibe as amph- the Amphibia formula has managed to make us feel with frogs, newts, and toads. And Olms, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Olms right at the end. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, gun to head, I'd definitely go for arachnids because you you got you got three main classifications that you can go for like i think certain breeds of mites are also technically arachnids but whatever those are mm-hmm, gross mm-hmm. we don't like those uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, happy with that. So yeah, we'll go into the meat and two veg of the main thing, which is Amphibia Season 3. Last time we talked about Season 1 and 2 as a general whole, and now we've finally finished Season 3 as of, what, this week, I believe? Yeah, that the finale was this past Saturday, mm, mm. and this is coming out tomorrow as of recording, so it's not even been a week since it came out, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We're striking while the iron is hot as best as we can. Yes. Um, one very quick note, because uh, I, I've, wrote it, I've written it in our 
sort of little guidelines so we know vaguely what we're talking about and stay on topic. Um, before the final episodes, like literally, uh, fuck, what's the name of the second last one? I think it's called All In. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, The Hardest Thing. Uh, yeah, no, it is All In. Oops. Um, yeah. yeah, The Hardest Thing's the last one, yeah. Yeah, I scrolled down too far. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, just before All In, Matt Braley did an interview. Can't remember who it was for, but I saw loads of snippets coming up, of it, uh, coming up about it on the Reddit. And um, the one big takeaway was um, uh, he said that the relationship between the girls, Arn, Sasha and Marcy, uh, would remain platonic as far as the show's concerned. Not because he was against anything, uh, quite the opposite in fact. He didn't want to ruin anyone's fan cannons, so no matter which way you shipped them, it would still work. Yeah, he didn't want to sink any ships on his own. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. No, he's no Uncle Grandpa. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, normally when we talk about a po- previous experience, well, you've got an entire podcast for that if you're interested. And if you really want to, you can watch Rick's very first exposure to Amphibia because I made him watch it for the podcast as a bonus yes. episode. Not a bonus episode. Yes. As a sick day episode. In fact, all of them are being pre-recorded. None of them are live. <laughs> yes, you're technically correct for a review, aren't you? Yes, yeah. The review was pre-recorded and I went to look at the retrospective and that was also a pre-record. Wait, was it? Yeah. No. It might have just been in the days where we did a pre-record, you know? Maybe. Maybe, because we, we, we were long. That was a long episode. Yeah, yeah. I think it was before the live reacts was the thing. I'm... You keep talking. I'm going on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, like like Devon said, it um, he wanted to keep the relationships platonic, partly because there are other characters in the universe as well. Like, you could say, say, um, the blue-haired helpful girl could be someone's mentor later on, and, you know, when people are all adults, that might go a little bit further, you know? Rick, you are absolutely full of shit. Am I full of shit? Yeah, Nonsense Retrospective, Amphibia Season 1 and 2, 1 hour 46, it's got our faces on it, so it was not a pre-record. Ah, okay, okay, fair so, enough, fair yeah, enough. I'm flipping you the proverbial middle finger <laughs> with a okay. shit-eating grin on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Sorry, Alrighty. that needed to be said. I went to the wrong one. <laughs> you went to the wrong one. Yeah, I went to the wrong Amphibia episode. <laughs> the fact that we've got three of them now should sh- should show everyone that we do actually have a lot of affection for this show. Yeah, there's Sandy Alhan. Yes, yes, absolutely. Two things that are airing their final seasons right now. Amphibia obviously has finished. Owl House doesn't have a lot to go before they have uh, future armoritis and get the movie finale treatment. God damn it! I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on it because that's going to get its own retro. But ah, that makes me angry. <laughs> that makes me feel angry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we start episode one of season three, hot on the heels of the finale of season two. Uh, if you remember in the finale of season two, we got the preview of what the credits were going to look like. Yes. And yeah, they, they made the, the the same theme tune, like more upbeat. And the main thing that ties the two together is Anne and Sprig jumping from umbrella to umbrella rather than from mushroom to mushroom. <laughs> and there was a lot of love put in these opening credits. Yeah, yeah. I, I never skipped the credits in season three. Oh, I did all the time. Oh, uh, the, op- the opening credits, at least. Yeah, opening credits. I always skip them. I've seen it once. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> well, yeah. come at me, anime me- fans. It puts me in nostalgia mode. That's fine. Like, again, going back to when I forced you uh, <laughs> to watch Amphibia episode one for the podcast, uh, mm, mm. I-, I-, I think my ending notes was, you know, I remember watching this and not being that whelmed, but watching it back again after watching all the way to the end of season two, it feels good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get a lot of nostalgia from these openings when you you've got a lot of like commitment and um, like well, you've already got your own nostalgia. You built it up. You built it up already. You've had it curated for you. Um, but yeah, they go to the human world. They go to Anne's parents' house. Oh yeah, 
get ready for that for the entirety of the podcast. Me saying Arn instead of Han. Because <laughs> Persona 5 has fucking ruined me. Arn to Karma Key. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah, just in case. In case you didn't realise, we're going to be spoilers all the way. Oh, if you have not, if you are not finished Amphibia, do not watch this episode yet. <laughs> like, even just right now, the fact that, yeah, this is after season two, we're talking about everything. Like, it's okay to know that they go to Earth, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, I will say one thing negative about this first episode. Yeah. Anne really brushes off what just happened very quickly. Yeah, she's going super hard on getting back to normal life, and yet also kind of realises that she needs to get the planters back home. No, I'm not even on about that. I mean, she literally just watched Darcy gets not Darcy, fuck, Marcy gets stabbed through the back and potentially dead. Now, we as yep. viewers know that she's fine, because Andreas yep. puts her in the pod. Anne doesn't know shit. Yeah, we as viewers also know she's fine, because we see her in the yeah, we see her in the opening credits in the pod, and uh, later on, we see the Darcy version. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, and Anne just goes, yeah, yeah, she's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, which, I don't know, it might be testament to her character, I guess, that might be part of how she ticks, and to an extent, she is that kind of person, but that seems like a bit of a, I, I don't know, man, I don't think I'm as close to you as Anne is close to Marcy, and yet I'd still probably pause my life for a couple of days if I'd realised you got stabbed. Yep. <laughs> I, not to say we're not friends, by the way. <laughs> Oh, like, physically close as well. Like, we're a country away. Mm. So, yeah, it would be it would be somewhat of a stopping point, as you say, in either of our lives if the other one was really seriously um, catastrophically wounded. I mean, shit, case in point, um, we, we've both got loved ones who are being hospitalised momentarily. Operations that aren't big risks. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, in both cases, we're making adjustments at the very minimum of the podcast and recording schedules to be like, okay, it's going to be rough to do this on that day so let's just not yeah like, like case in point this one is pre-recorded but partially because of we're going to pre-record something else to, yeah tomorrow as well <laughs> yeah we got to pre-record something else and we didn't want to fuck with live stream times which might get permanently changed because people are being weird <laughs> yeah yeah neither of the us universe... two people related to us yeah the universe is revolving around us yeah ad- um... improvise adapt overcome isn't that what the fucking sas say yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah there's a frog terminator yeah yeah um, boy, does this fucking season, if you didn't get it already, hammer home the fact that everyone who works on this show is a big fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the Mecha Self Toad um, is pursuing Anne and the Planters throughout the entirety of the first half of season one. That's not system. The first half of season three. I, get, I, get, I, I did that all the time throughout my notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, it's only the, in that Anne can beat this ba- thing back and damage it that actually puts it on a timer and lets it you know, retreat believably because until then it's relentless. Yeah, it will not stop. Well, actually, we got a couple of caveats here because he's the, the frog terminator's got three orders. One is kill Anne. Yep. Two, which is the one that actually gives Anne a fighting chance, is they have been explicitly instructed not to be seen. Yes. If that was not one of its orders, Anne would be fucked because she does yeah. not have control of her powers yet. No, she does. Yeah, the, the don't be seen thing is literally the one hamstring to the entire order. Yeah, until episode five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. But also, the Third Order, get book four of the Harry Potter knockoff, because Andreas got really hooked on them because of Marcy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and if I recall correctly, um, just before he gets sent on self-destruct mode, uh, he, get, he he reveals the book that he got for Andreas, and Andreas is like, that's book three! I've read book three! <laughs> <laughs> 
man, man wouldn't it have been so oh, cute fucking if, hell yeah. I love Keith David so much yeah wouldn't it have been so cute if he'd found Azura the Good Witch instead that would have been a nice little nod <laughs> but mind you there's theories everywhere on both the Amphibia and the Owl House subreddits of because um, multiverse exists in both mm. T- uh, TOH and Amphibia there's a good possibility that there can be crossovers without any consequences fuck we had a Gravity Falls crossover in Amphibia there was a Gravity Falls crossover in Rick and Morty is that the most recent season because I've not seen that oh it was really early on um, they threw something into a portal in Gravity Falls and it just came out in Rick and Morty like okay cause... but you have to have watched Gravity Falls I've not okay yeah 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 yeah. like that's like, a subtle it... nod whereas the the Amphibia had a whole fucking 10 minute half episode of oh yeah. I know that character because I've seen all the memes the whole episode of Gravity Falls Jolters just in this world yeah <laughs> um, but yeah um, Anne does get to activate her Super Saiyan powers yeah and it sets the tone for yeah if even if she does do it she's gonna be knackered later which is a good reason to not do it all the time and not just break every single encounter just by activating the win button it's also the the start of the common thread of this show is anime as fuck yes yes <laughs> very specifically shonen yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh very in typical good guy fashion Anne's powers don't manifest when she is nearly brutally murdered by uh, the frog terminator but uh immediately spark when he even hints at threatening the planters yes absolutely it's all about protection not about personal power which come to think of it is very much a martial artist's mantra as assuming they're a proper one you know that goes all in on the uh, mantras and spiritual side of martial arts yeah 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 yeah. the art of martial art yeah 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 the whole the whole thing of i'll always bring this up of jackie chan saying always know how not to really permanently hurt someone because if you do you'll never be happy for the rest of your life that's fair um, um weirdly enough my tattooist um he does tai chi okay but he does the martial art side of tai chi as well as the meditation okay and he uh, hey guess what if you're being tattooed by someone for a couple of hours you either talk or you're going to be miserable um <laughs> and um yeah he, he he talks a lot about that sort of stuff and it's mostly like hey if you're a proper martial artist you don't attack first oh totally stuff totally. like that you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway uh digression aside yeah yeah um the thing that we did kind of gloss over in the episode one bit is that they are they moved in with Anne's family yes the family know that it, it's revealed very early on that they are not humans <laughs> that they're frogs well immediately and... to the family because they haven't got disguises yet oh no and uh, Hop, Hop Pop gets his disguise of a little piece of rubber <laughs> chewing gum or something that he pokes holes in to make it look like a nose it doesn't look very convincing to the viewer but then we find someone later on in the show that looks exactly like that uh, to be fair he also wears glasses yeah he does which yeah. explains <laughs> his big bulgy frog like eyes yeah he wears glasses um, partially I think he has the nose so the glasses can perch on something yeah frogs don't have yeah. noses <laughs> Unless you're Froppy and, oh god, yeah. Froppy's adorable. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> but yeah, the family are very accepting of them. Then the the trip out to the store where they get attacked by the um, the Toadinator is pretty much their first time outside the house. Outside the house, sorry. Yeah, for the planters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Anne, I guess. Well, yeah, because Anne needs to keep an eye on them to make sure they don't go off into the universe, which they keep threatening to do. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll address that in episode two. But um, yeah, I also did like how Anne showed them the the holy grail of foods which is noodles from the food court yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
They're like worms, but there's so many of them, and, and you can slurp them. And they don't fight back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I do remember when the Frog Terminator first encountered them was with the noodles, and he smashed the table, and everyone fled. And when they fled, the guy serving at the counter turns back around and goes, man, people really like those noodles, uh, <laughs> as he picks up a mop and bucket. Like, implying this is not an uncommon occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> People literally flipping tables over noodles. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to episode two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's shall. So episode um, two is our first that is split in two, which is the traditional format of Amphibia. Uh, we've got yes. hop till you drop and we've got turning point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the hop till you drop is like training the planters, as you say, not to just buzz off into the universe and just reveal everything to everyone straight away. Yeah, I did like... Uh, they couldn't have Polly and Sprig team up to be their regular human size, so they split they split them up. And how do you get away with that? Well, Polly's a toddler. Yep. <laughs> Because she's got on her feet now. Yeah. So she can just waddle around. I think, is this, isn't this the episode where she wanders into a uh, class on Ty? No, no, no. That's uh, that's uh, episode four? Yeah, episode four. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's the... It's the one it's where they one, all yeah. do the Ty stuff, which is very cool. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> but yeah, there's, but yeah. She, there's a load of toddlers. And uh, I think it's a Build-A-Bear workshop. And someone takes something off her. And that's the first point where she's like, I want to beat this toddler to death. And we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, not ideally quite. when you are ideally when you are a toddler, but uh, yeah. you know, so, so, sometimes sometimes life gets away from you. Sometimes your emotions run high. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why I plead the fifth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, uh, yeah. don't 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 beat children. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't punch a baby. We're, we're 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 joking, but that's actually a very horrible thing to do. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, don't punch a baby. Like they're not punching bags. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, they're definitely not. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, Spriggs' task is not to touch anything and. He is positioned by a bunch of art installations, and Hot Pop needs to learn not to get scammed, uh, aka accepting a ton of free fi- uh, free things. So she sends quite, him down like Hawker's Alley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they all fail miserably, as you'd expect, because m- partly because Anne gets distracted by an old schoolmate. Yeah. <laughs> so she's just as much at fault because she's easy to distract. Mm. Uh, she kind of breaks down to the planters uh, at the end, where she's like, "Damn it, I can't protect you all the time because this and that." And the planters just laugh, and Hot Pop says, "Do you not remember how bad it was for you?" in Amphibia when you first came here. And I think we get a brief shot of a bunch of horrible things that happened to Anne that we didn't see on screen. Yeah. <laughs> first time interacting with X, first time interacting with Y. Yeah. yeah. And having to learn to love insect food. Yeah. Oh, but I, I'll say it a million times, but when she got to Marcy and offered some uh, a sweet that had insects in it and she immediately gobbled it up and went, what have I become? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Insect food's going to be the way of the future, otherwise we're going to have the food wars. Well, I'm still sticking with the plant side. Sure, you assume, you assume that's going to continue to prosper, but sure. I do assume that. Like, If you put money into it, it will continue to prosper. Yeah, guess who fucking ain't? Yeah, yeah. Most people. Yeah. Uh, however, however, you can buy it in stores right now, whereas you can't buy bug meal. Well, apart from for, you know, fucking fishing tackle. That's not bug, that's not edible humans. No, not safe for human consumption. No. Um, but yes, the second half of this episode is Turning Point, which is the much more exciting part of this episode sorry yes but um it's one of the things that they do very well in the first half of season three in that um they they do take occasional dalliances back to amphibia to see what's going on and because they're sprinkled few and far between all of them are enjoyable yeah they're all treats 
Yes. Um, and yeah, this one is specifically Sasha and Grime. Yeah, it literally starts immediately after the season two. Well, not a few moments after season two finale. Once Arn, not Arn, fuck, sorry. Once Anne's fucked off through the portal and they're pretty sure Marcy's dead. Yeah, and Sasha and Grime have hijacked Joe Sparrow, leaving um, Olivia and General Yunnan stranded with King Andreas. <laughs> to be fair, they've not fully done their realisation that they're serving Darth Vader. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think this was the realisation and like if you look I think both of them do their best not to attack living people uh, I don't think they're ever shown not until they're collared fair enough not until they're collared well to be fair they don't really attack people um, well General Yunnan very much does attack people no 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 I, I meant after the realisation <laughs> after, yeah, after the realisation it's pretty much exclusively robots in Andreas's castle yeah yeah like after the realisation even when they are put into a situation where they should be attacking people I think they try and do the thing where they're notes they climb on the ceiling yeah they're there they seem to be participating and yet not actually participating and I'm just going to say it right now seeing as we brought them up I did not see that going where it ended up going I kind of did when there was an episode about them both well I assume that's just because you know they were both friends of Marcy well they knew Marcy could do something and attempted to help her I didn't think that there was a blossoming relationship not to say I'm against it I was quite happy at that revelation yeah (laughs) but yeah uh, I'm the only thing I'm disappointed is they didn't reveal that Grime is the big fun gay uncle that he clearly is <laughs> yeah yeah like that takes a little bit more time i suppose anyway um yeah it's very cool we get to see that sasha and grime are still badasses in their own rights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh they end up going to wartwood they are not trusted because fucking doy uh yeah grime wants to piss off and join his sister beatrix with the toad army and as far as we as viewers are aware that's what he does although me and rick have been around the block a bit with no cartoons and we could probably see coming from a mile away that that wasn't gonna last for long yeah absolutely it lasted and... all of five minutes when he did a heroic yeah. <laughs> fucking save near the end yeah it does end with a nice dramatic thing of yeah he comes back to save the day and yeah they become the new de facto protectors of Wartwood and uh, it becomes the base of operations for the rebellion yeah yeah which you know good <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the last time we see them before it comes back to showing and returning and them actually having to you know build up the rebellion properly yes when we next see Sasha it's not until episode like 10 or 11 no 11 because that's when they're back and uh, they get design changes yeah because Sasha's been in <laughs> Wartwood for a fucking while fighting battles so she becomes basically Blonzina yeah <laughs> not quite as muscular but she is only 13 true and she is still a cheerleader rather than a powerlifter you know absolutely but she's definitely spec into Barbarian yeah <laughs> so you know take that for what you will um, yeah she's a dex barb those suck no they don't they suck if you're a barbarian okay. if you're a true barbarian you wield a two handed weapon or fuck off yeah, well, Sasha's got two swords. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying she she's got the barbarian statistics, but she doesn't act. She doesn't wield the correct weapon. <laughs> but her and yeah, Grime the... combined are the barbarian. Yeah, she's got the barbarian background. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, we've got pretty much two fluff episodes. Well, I say two fluff episodes. A fluff episode with the two of them combined. Uh, not a lot of plot really happens, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Thai food advent. The, the Thai food one is all about a guy who he loves the food so much he wants to spread it to more people and However, in trying to do so actively fucks over the business yeah um, he do, he spends the entire episode just not realising that family recipes are family recipes and he thinks that his, his attempt to recreate it could go well and hopes that it will but it doesn't because he parks his fucking food van right outside their house and 
and because uh, he named the it, because he named it the exact same thing, literally that he's stealing customers because a bunch of customers go, "Oh, I didn't realize this restaurant had a food truck." Yeah, yeah. Like um, by the end of the episode, it's all is well, but you know, the guy's a fucking idiot mm. because he is he is entirely coming from a place of love. Yeah, like hundred percent place of love. Like it's it's built into his and his motivation right from the get go, and he he wears that on his sleeve. But the love I has blinded the guy's name as well. Yeah, it's inconsequential. He never shows up again. <laughs> he um he's so blinded by love he can't see that everything he is doing is literally fucking over the thing he wants to uh, alleviate uh, alleviate elevate yes yes but yeah um we also have the other plot of sprig really wants to be an honorary boon choi much like Anne is an honorary uh, honorary planter yeah and because uh, Anne's mom has been treating the, the planters like guests the yes. entire time Anne gets in trouble for everything that sprig does yep yep and, it, and it's always sprig yep and sprig nearly <laughs> kills a man yes 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 um can't 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 rush over that <laughs> Sprig yeah, is being yeah. a proper shit the entire episode and again he is fueled by love but he's being a dick yeah I think Sprig is a bit of a dick for most of this season oh one second <laughs> um, we're about three episodes in to season three in case you hadn't realised we swear on this podcast if you're not okay with that slash or and or are a child uh, stop listening yeah we just called a ten year old frog a dick I apologise but you know I'm not apologising he was a dick <laughs> I'm, I'm apologising for the language but yes we, we do use this kind of language. Yeah, I just realised we should probably preface that because we might get people (laughs) listening who aren't our usual audience. Well, I'm hoping we do anyway. Hello, new people. Don't address them. (laughs) Know they're there and know that their ears may be innocent. Anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah, Sprig, literally my words are Sprig uh, is being a little shit and uh, nearly kills a guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, he does not commit manslaughter slash murder in a second degree, but um, he does wreck the food truck. Yeah, he does. And then he gets a bollocking from Anne's mum, and that cements him as a an honorary boon choy. Yeah, he fucking loves it. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Anne pr- said very early on, uh, in fact, as you said, when Anne was getting told off for the planter's mistakes, um, that she only yells at family because she can get away with it, basically. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think everyone's got, a f- everyone's got a family member like that. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the next episode is actually much more fun because it has the most heartfelt moment at all at all uh, to this point that I've seen and I, I, I it tickled me in a, in a very uh, in that particular way you can't quite describe why it tickles you but it does and uh, basically the whole episode builds up is based around the plant specifically Hot Pop doesn't want the planters to be freeloaders and they talk about some distant cousin who was a dick yeah, um, yeah. so in order to get around not being freeloaders they offer to take the uh, the cat Domino to the vet one thing leads to another and they need to call Mr. Boone Choi to bail them out because the cat ran away mm-hmm. on the ride back home on his little moped scooter thing the planters lament saying that um, oh sorry I guess we're just freeloaders and in the most serious I think the guy is in the entire series uh, Mr. Boon Choi that is sort of stops the scooter and says you looked after my daughter for months in another world you'll never be freeloaders yeah absolutely it's a really heartfelt um, double edged thank you of yes thank you for what you did and don't worry we're here for you you were here for her and uh, it, it kind of cools the cools the entire situation off yeah in a way that it kind of needed to because we spent enough episodes on it <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a rather heavy moment that is immediately broken about i don't know 10 seconds later when they get home and Anne is high as fuck from the funny gas because she had a bunch of cavities that needed to be filled because she's been living in amphibia without a toothbrush and eating bugs for six months yep <laughs> 
Which, you know, that's a level of realism they didn't need to go into, but they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's one of those things, especially showing kids. Showing kids what can happen if you don't brush your teeth is a good idea. <laughs> uh, tr- trust me, man, I wish I had that. I mean, I did have that lesson drilled in. You know when you're a kid and you get a lesson drilled into your head, and yet you still kind of ignore it? Because it's yeah. being told to you a bit too much? Yeah. Uh, like, some of them are really important, like wear a helmet when you're on, like, a two-wheeler. And yet, some of them, like, yeah, you need to wash this, that, and the other every single time. Kind of get swept under the rug. Yeah, because the helmet thing, whenever it's drilled into you, it's always like, you will die if you don't do this. And then, well, other, yeah. and then other things are constantly thrown at you from every cartoon you watch as a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, the helmet one is really easily backed up by the, the one time you're wearing a helmet and you bonk your head and you break the helmet. You just look at the helmet and go, oh, cool. Thank you, helmet. Very cool. Now I need a new one. Yeah, I never, I never had that sort of injury. Although I do have a scar on my elbow from when I fell off my scooter. Real scooter, not an electric one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fell down the world's tiniest flight of stairs on a bike, face first, and yeah, the uh, the helmet didn't break, but a lot of fiberglass came off it. <laughs> So you you were really dumb trying to go downstairs on a on a bike. No, I was trying to go next to the stairs and I slipped and it went sideways and ended up going face first and it was like it was the stupidest thing and yet I learned my lesson from it that the helmet does do something because until then I thankfully hadn't been hit on the head while wearing a helmet. Something something pain is an excellent teacher. Oh yes 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 yes. However, the Victorians took that to another degree. Let's uh, move on, shall we? Um, yeah, let's shall. The next <laughs> pair of episodes, episode. For fight at the museum and temple frogs are both lore heavy. Yes, yes, they are. The um, the museum one is Anna's shifted into high gear on trying to get the planters home. I think she hasn't slept for something like seventy two hours, is what she says. Yeah, and as someone who's done that a couple of times, that's not fun. Uh, once you pass the thirty six hour mark, you do uh, 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 you do suffer from visual and auditory hallucinations. Yes, yes. Um, something, something. The mermaid went past the car window when I needed a piss. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, sleep regularly. Yeah, yeah, please do. Heal your brain. But yeah, she's been researching the multi multiverses, and this was months before Multiverse of Madness. Ooh. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, she finds a bunch of stuff which is mostly conspiratorial shit because, you know, multi- people don't tend to know this. Multiverse is a real scientific theory, but there's no way to prove it, so it's kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah. And- At least with what we currently have, and if there were any incursions, then they have made themselves completely unknown. That's not, no, I'm not talking about comic shit. I'm literally talking about the science. Scientific theory. Oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair I enough. fucking uh, anyway. Uh, again, yeah, it's it's unknown and unknowable. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's literally because you, there's no way to prove it. Like it it could theoretically be a thing. However, there's no way to prove it, so it's just going to remain in the in the area of science fiction slash comic books, which is fine. Whatever. Uh, anyway. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, as it happens, they happen to, look, during this research. She does happen to find a uh, piece of amphibia pottery at the local museum. So even though she's paranoid and sleep deprived, um, they head to the museum they find it and um, again paranoia is real she does yeah, not think yeah. she can trust the scientist slash me uh, uh, sorry that's me fucking tripping over my tongue um, slash the curator so yeah. um, she decides the most rational course of action is to come back at night time and fucking steal it yeah like if only she could have seen the opening credits she could have seen Dr. Jan waving and being happy and realised oh this is meant to be a happy nice person <laughs> yeah Matt, don't 
don't, don't skip sleep. No. <laughs> but yeah, they do uh, They do come back at night and attempt to do the heist, but hey, look, it's the Frog Terminator again. Yeah, uh, yeah the Toadinator re- reappears, and they have another another showdown with it. Yeah, they have a bit of a scuffle. The Frog Terminator once again flees because Dr. Jan, who is our you know, scientist slash curator and security, arrive, forcing the robot to run away because, again, can't stress this enough, it's such a good uh, thing to put into the code of the robot that, hey, don't be seen because mm, mm. it gives them an out. They don't have to have this thing take an L, L every time. It's just like, well, yeah, fuck. This is, um, and this is after the first loss, so it's already had to repair itself with local materials. To be fair, though, the loss um, only occurred because Anne went Super Saiyan. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. But also, it brings the it brings it down a power level as well. You say that, but we see in the next part that it has an amazing ability that it doesn't use until the, the next part, which is a fuck ton of drones. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those weird... It's a very video game thing of, I'm not going to use my strongest asset slash attacks because... Yep, yep. You need to put it on the the sorting algorithm of power levels. Yeah, but yeah. Um, at the end, um, Anne confines in Doctor Jan uh, why she was here, and uh, because she's yeah. just nice, I guess. Doctor Jan's like, "Fuck it, I'll, I'll I'll keep your secret, and let's fucking research this together." Yeah, but anyone less friendly would not have taken that. <laughs> oh yeah, that we would have seen Mister X earlier if they didn't take it. Oh, definitely, definitely. But that's uh, <laughs> that's in a couple of episodes. Um, yeah, it is. The second half is is a very fun, fluffy episode with some very important plot information. Uh, it's called Temple Frogs. They go to the Thai temple where apparently they do this once a week, I want to say they said? Um, they do it semi-regularly and the actual thing that they um, do confide in the, the viewers and the and the characters is that while Anne was missing and the Boonjoys were both distraught and having to, you know, run the restaurant, the rest of the community chipped in and really helped out. Yeah. So it's they're, they're going all in on contributing back to the community the way that they normally would anyway, well, but making a real big show of it and real, really thanking everyone. Well, one of the uh, things they explicitly do as well is when Anne f- tries to fuck off early to go see Dr. Jan, uh, Miss Boon Choi, I don't know if she's given a first name, she might be, but I don't remember it. Um, she stops Anne from going and says, listen, the reason we're here today specifically is to show you off to show you're safe and also yes. returning all these dishes because everyone cooked for us while you were missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I just want to say that uh, I don't think this happens often enough in cartoons in that uh, it does a very good job of showing a bit of a portal into other cultures. Yeah, yeah. Showing culture in a completely organic way. We're doing this because this is the thing that we do, not just because we're showing it to a bunch of kids, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also it shows it in a very American way. They're showing yeah. Thai culture as if it was an American subculture because, you know, that's how it would be seen in... Um, to the bulk of the viewing audience because the bulk of the viewing audience of this cartoon are going to be Americans. Yeah, yeah. It's an island in an American city. Sure. Uh, um, and yeah, we get some other little tidbits like like we mentioned earlier. Polly walks into the the Thai language class. Yeah, and she picks and it up straight away and Anne gets pissed because she was like, it took me three months to get two words down. And it's because she's been watching Mrs. Boonjoy's Thai dramas. Ah, uh, that makes <laughs> sense. It's one of those though, like one of the best te- if you want to teach your kid how to learn a second LR, if you want to teach your kid a second language, uh, have them experience it. Yeah, yeah. And ideally have them experience something that they want to continue doing. So like a, a drama like like Polly had, or like anime for instance. Yeah, although most people who get exposed to anime are at that age where they don't just pick up languages easily. Sure. Unless yeah, you but... have that talent, in which case fucking kudos, abuse it. Yeah, absolutely. But like, a lot of people will just read the subtitles but then sometimes you can just hear a couple of things and go, oh, that means hello. That means the sky. That means you're a 
troublesome little brat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, okay, fair point. Like, I pick up a word or hear when I watch things in languages I don't understand, but, like, if you ever use them in regular sentences, you look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like the opposite of when you hear someone who's meant to be French, and they'll talk English with a French accent, and now and again they'll say bonjour. Like, the really easy words that everyone knows are the ones that the allegedly French person or German person or whatever use in media to show that this is a person from a different culture. Yeah, alternatively, you've got Del Boy, who doesn't speak any <laughs> foreign languages and just... Monsieur, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, occasionally says bonjour or au revoir, and as we know, the big joke, if you're British, you already know it, but if you're not, I'll enlighten you. He always says au revoir when he's saying hello and bonjour when he's saying goodbye. Yep. <laughs> the, two lang- the two words in the language you should never be able to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that that was such a played on joke they just assumed everyone would get that he was wrong yeah 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 um, I think the other one that, that, that I enjoy with that is when he asks Rodney what a duck is in French and he just went it's canard isn't it and he, and he goes yeah but um, yeah but what's the actual word <laughs> canard oh fine fuck it basically okay <laughs> I thought it was funny anyway you can, you can cut it no worries <laughs> oh, I'm not cutting it because these things are, are long so I can't listen to every single sentence and it has to be <laughs> oh, ready well. by tomorrow Rick <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough so congratulations you have to listen to Rick say a bad joke because um, <laughs> that joke's not funny when it's not played out for you. Anyway, we, this is getting very long in the tooth and we're only on episode 5. Let's move on. Uh, sorry, episode 4. Let's move on. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the community fights off the frogs, the frog terminator and... No, no, it's just his get, drones. Yeah, just the drones, yeah. Just the drones and stand together as a community and we get a nice panning shot and yeah, Dr. Jan does show up instead of Anne going to her because she has found something out about the mother of Olms. Yeah, that's the only clue we get. No one knows what that means out of us as viewers and the people in universe so that's fun well, that doesn't pay off until right near the end yep yep <laughs> Polly repairs Frobo the fact that it was in the title was a bit of a spoiler already well she fixes him but she doesn't I didn't care for this episode all it does yep, yep. is hey Frobo's kind of back but he's only a head so it don't really matter and also yep. holy shit Polly is, Polly is now Tony Stark yes she is like, she makes friends with these two YouTubers who make, do, make robots yep. and they think that she's awesome because she can do all this when she's like one <laughs> yeah uh, next episode is far more interesting Andreas gives the frog terminator the order to kill Anne within an hour literally uh, if he does not kill Anne within an hour the robot will self-destruct and the robot has self-preservation instincts instincts because of course it does so it fucking kicks off into overdrive negating that fact I have a suspicion that it didn't matter if he fulfilled his order or not he was going to blow up anyway yeah true <laughs> Here's the thing, uh, with these two episodes being right next to each other, I was 100% expecting that Frobo was going to get some hand-me-down parts. He kind of does, doesn't he? But we don't see them in effect until later. Yeah, like, I thought he was going to get, like, 99% of a body, and knowing that you can repair it with local parts, just fill in the blanks with other, like, TV bits and all that, you know? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not much to say here. The entire episode is basically a big fight with Anne trying to skirt the subject of why the robot trying to kill her if that's even what it's trying to do <laughs> uh, eventually mm-hmm. confessing at the end of the episode to her parents that what's happening is uh, a little bit more dangerous than she's been letting on yes uh, and just another note uh, this marks the end of the first batch of Disney Plus episodes from season 3 which uh, makes real uh, 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 oh fuck sorry uh, makes a good amount of sense because we um, uh, we're, we're done with our first antagonist slash threat slash problem and we're going to get introduced to our next one in the next episode you know funny enough title 
titled Mr. X. Yep. <laughs> who, um, you know, I, I've got the words here that he is dapper as fuck and he knows it. Yeah, he's RuPaul. Yeah, except not horribly transphobic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it, it's one of those weird situations, isn't it? Because it's hard to say he's transphobic considering his, uh, his, yeah, his, the, his career. He's, However, he's the he, face of drag. He has said some horrible things that were taken a bit out of context uh, about people who have transitioned. Yeah, but it was out of context. Yeah, I know. But I, my, my gut reaction whenever I hear RuPaul is horrible transphobic and then I have to immediately correct myself and go, oh, wait, hang on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So apologies, Mr. RuPaul, who will never hear of this. But uh, yeah, but some people have been given an impression of you, which was erroneous. Yep. Just just by some kind of clickbaity article that really wanted to click. I don't, I don't even click on those things. I don't know where I got that information from. Probably from the title of the article. But I don't, I don't remember where I got it, is what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. it's one of those things where, like, after thinking about it for five minutes, you're like, yeah, hang on, that doesn't compute. <laughs> yep, yep. So Mr. X has got a assistant who is mute. Yeah, I don't think they're mute, but they certainly don't say a, not, uh, say a lot. No. Uh, that no, being no, no. said, I would absolutely watch a spin-off of Amphibia that's just Mr. X and his uh, associate dealing with problems. Yeah, yeah. Different incursions, because it doesn't... It implies that this is the first time that they've been able to prove an incursion and they really want to... Boy, you, you can know. fucking tell you watch Doctor Strange. Yeah. You really <laughs> like that word lately. Well, you know, it's some kind of an invasion from beyond the stars or from a different world or from a different dimension, all that shit. So they want to secure funding for their department because it's probably on the cusp of being dismantled for budget reasons. Sure. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about, uh, appreciate about this episode is that it shows that Mr. X can, one, get shit done and two, uh, by the end of it we realise that even though he is clearly the antagonist because he's set up opposite the planters um, his goals are not malicious Yeah, his goals are purely I want to help protect the planet from alien invasion yeah he's on society's side Mm, we live in a Um, society (laughs) return to monkey thank you Um, (laughs) but yeah uh, they eventually get bailed out by the poon choice the poon choice (laughs) (laughs) oh there's a Freudian slip Uh, the the boon choice when they cut the power to the cinema and make the save and they rather funnily remark that, oh, they learnt which wires not to cut when they had to fix a power thing that Anne did as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they just cut the wrong wire on purpose. It was great. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice introduction to the new antagonist. Yeah. And yeah, he, he, he keeps showing up until, what, episode 10? Episode 10 is his last appearance until the things that happen in the last couple of episodes. The, the, the other, the additional return to Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they leave him some look-alike frogs as a bit of a souvenir so he doesn't go a home empty-handed, and it gives him the hint that, oh, they're frog aliens we're dealing with. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, next episode is Sprig's birthday. It's once again a fluff-filled thing. I don't remember a lot from it. There's, it's one of those where we learn that birthdays in Amphibia are depressing as fuck because they live in a deaf world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, apologies to Sprig and it being your birthday, but this episode wasn't memorable. <laughs> no, no. The only thing I remember is uh, that fucking hot air balloon um, attendant needs to be fired. Doesn't the balloon itself end up draped over a billboard at the end? Do- yeah, some Something like that. I just like he said. Okay, uh, I think Anne said, "Oh, it's Sprig's birthday. Can we just stand in it for a minute?" When he was told, "You explicitly cannot fly it." And mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. and then he just left them do it, and then fucked off to deal with something else. And that's when they fucking took it, and then nearly died. Yeah, they cut the rope and nearly died because it wasn't a storm or something as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was high winds. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing is, the takeaway is that it does reiterate Spran against the world, which was more of a season one thing, and now they're like hammering it home. Now that there's only a few episodes left that it is Spran against the world still. Yeah, um, I mean, I put in brackets here at the end of this paragraph that I've written for the notes. That's just uh, Spran against the world, baby. Uh, Yep. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, on the back of that, we get a much better Sprig episode, which is the the Spider Sprig. This episode is great. They're both bangers. Important mm. to note, when this episode came up, the hype was at a fever pitch for Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes around being his own little vigilante hero, or pretending to be a hero, and, you know, causing a few more issues than he actually solved. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a nice bit of... It was a nice parody, and also a nice deconstruction of vigilantism rather than heroism. Yeah, and also like choosing Doc Ock, they knew exactly what they were doing because again, they were they were playing to the No Way Home trailers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but by, by the end of it, they both get told off by the not Doc Ock's daughter. Yeah, a strange daughter, I think I can't remember, and uh, they both agreed to clean up the city. Yeah, which you know is a nice thing to do. It's a good thing. It's a good way to use that kind of technology and power and all that responsibility responsibly. Yep. Uh, next episode is uh, sorry. Next part of this episode is just named Olivia and Yunnan and uh, yeah they proved during this episode almost immediately that they don't just blindly follow orders no they don't like we even saw at the end of the first well at the end of the last season that they weren't actually super cool with killing people who they knew yeah, yeah. Um, and now they double down on that I do like how even when they're doing stealth shit that Yunnan still needs to do her thing yep if someone asks her a name then she has to give the spiel of General Yunnan scourge of the sand wars defeater of Ragnar the Wretched and the youngest newt ever to become a general in, in the Newtopian army. And I didn't have that written down either, so... <laughs> wow, okay, congrats. Um, it just speaks to the number of times she says it, and it's funny every time. <laughs> it, it is funny every time. It's one of those where um, people with experience in life kind of... Because she's still relatively young. Uh, yeah. But people with uh, experience in life will know that if you're well-known enough, you could just say your name and someone will go, wait, wait Yunnan as in ex-Yunnan, and you'll be like, yes! But, you yeah, know, yeah, it, just, it's, uh... it's, it's a really good way of showing her youth that she still has to give every single title. Yep, yep. If, if someone recognises you based on your name and they, they start nerding out, then you just wink and give them finger guns and that's that's all you need to do. <laughs> but she's such a large ham and she, she, she chews the scenery to a pulp and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um... My favourite bit of this episode, though, is when Olivia is describing some clandestine activities to Yunnan and Yunnan goes, I see what you're doing and I'm in. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I appreciate how they actually succeeded in breaking Marcy out. Yes. However, for all of a couple of moments. Well, none of them could possibly plan for what occurred, and it's it speaks to Marcy's ability to adapt slash strategize that she was able to see through it first, even while be being completely out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like none of them could predict Mecha Cthulhu. Well, uh, yeah, and specifically the uh, uh, the robotic illusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the whole thing being illusions and like. In t- like the whole heart of the castle being some kind of mechanical eldritch horror. Yeah, doesn't even get an a, a, an eldritch horror name. It's just called the core. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it just has a it has a lot of eyes, and one of them is on Andreas's forehead. Yeah, the uh, the, the episode the crown. Yeah, the episode ends in a in a rather well, it's rather predictable fashion in that Andreas learns what's going on, and the moment Andreas shows up, there's no winning here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we he makes a bit of an evil spiel. Can't remember exactly what he says, but he does it in that way that both. It, uh, you know, in that, as Anne would say, Santa Claus way, where he's still sounding quite jolly while he talks about all this evil shit that he's going to do. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smiling Keith David voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he even says that um, you can't take Marcy away because she's going to be the new host for the core. And uh, yeah, this is the last time we see Olivia and Yunnan until near the end. Yeah, yeah. And also we learn later on that Marcy being the core was basically his bargain for not killing her. Because uh, yeah, the core would... wanted, wanted her dead immediately. Well, 
Well, okay, no. The the dead immediately thing was when she first came to the world, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. The, the the thing was they wanted to get rid of the prophecy by getting rid of the power of the gems in the first place. That had nothing to do with Marcy becoming the core. Yeah, but it's the kind of I can see the core being a bit of a Empire Strikes Vader of Empire Strikes Back Vader if I have altered the deal and consistently need rebargaining with you know. I I disagree because I think the justification of Marcy beat Andreas in a strategy game, and therefore that means Marcy is smarter than Andreas and therefore more worthy of being a host for the core. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's enough yeah. justification. I don't think you need to go this all evil mastermind route because, you know, uh, the core is not all intelligent as much as they wish they were. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got a lot of brains, but they all have the same ceiling. Sure. Um, next episode, we've got Hollywood Hot Pop and If You Give a Frog a Cookie. Both, well, actually, no, I tell a lie. The first half is a very light-hearted episode because we need a bit of a panic cleanse after that shit. Uh, and the second yep. half is, once again, depressing and miserable. But, um, yeah, Hollywood Hot Pop. Hot Pop wants to be an actor because, you know, do you remember that shit? Yep. <laughs> uh, he audition- He goes to audition for a commercial, getting um, it only because he is the first in line thanks to a fellow actor, voiced by fucking Sean Wallace. Yeah. Isn't he also Rex from um, Toy Story? Yes. Yeah. However, I've got him as the as uh, the character who goes, Inconceivable! Without knowing what it means in Princess's Bride. <laughs> it's been a while but since yeah, I've seen that film. I don't remember character names, apart from Anigo Montoya, because he says it 700 times. Yeah. And, and in every meme as well. But yeah, the two guys look identical, uh, apart from skin tone, pretty much. Yeah, which uh, really does help... Um, Oh fuck! What's this guy's name? I think it's Marvin. Uh, let's co- well, let's call him Marvin for the sake of for the sake of argument, because you know he he's a nice fella, but other than this, he pretty much doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like he gets his big acting break because Hot Pop needs to shake Mr. X, and Mr. X is once again embarrassed when he tries to capture a frog, and it's just a person. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, the next episode, which is big plot, and also, man, there's a lot of evil people in the world. Um, yeah, there are. Dr. Jan thinks there's another doctor that can help out, one Dr. Frake, and only jumps yeah. on the gun because the planters have been real shit throughout the episode, flashing puppy dog, sorry, defeated, wounded puppy dog eyes in that, when can we go home? So Anne feels super guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, here's, an, here's another little fun one. Assist- Terry the Assistant is voiced by the same lady that voices Sadie Miller in Steven Universe. Fair do. Yeah. <laughs> She's around so for so little time, I would have no way of knowing that. Um, but yeah, this is another example of, um, uh, by the end at least, of people working jobs, realising their boss is an evil piece of shit, and then refusing to help them. Yeah, because it's very clearly stated that this person needs this job. Yeah, uh, well, she's like she's pretty much a glorified intern, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Like, uh, yeah, Dr. Frake's first instinct is she wants to dissect the planters, and yeah, Terry, the assistant, uh, helps Anne out. In fact, there is a brief exchange where Anne tells her off and says don't you dare try to stop me and Terry's like I'm literally helping you But yeah, uh, yeah, predictably yeah. she gets fired. But uh, yeah, by the end of the episode, it's fine because Terry gets a new job with Dr. Jan saying that she will absolutely help with making this portal. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and then we get on to the froggy little Christmas. Yes, which is our last episode before we get a break. Yeah, it is. Um, and they they are trying to they were trying to build a float for the Christmas parade. Uh, or Miss, Mrs. Boonchoy wanted to make one and she had to turn it down because, you know, plot. And well, so yeah, the, it's very important. The reason why she doesn't take it is because she doesn't want the planters more exposed than they already are, especially seeing as Mr. Yeah. X is still a threat. Yeah, and the planters are like, fuck that, let's do it. <laughs> well, specifically, Anne is like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, she ropes in the planters very easily, and yeah, they make a kick ass float by pretty much recruiting everyone we've met during the Earth segment. Yeah, yeah. And um, we also get the first shot of Darcy. We do. That's not until the end of the episode, though. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, 
what we do get is uh, early on we get shots of Andreas in Amphibia experiencing Christmas in that his scientists have given him a, a remote controlled drone and he spends about 10 minutes of the episode learning how to fly it so he can personally kill Anne Boon Choi. Yeah. <laughs> And doesn't he eventually, like, he breaks it as well, doesn't he? Uh, not until the drone itself is destroyed. Yeah, I think the idea is he's, because it fails once, he doesn't want to try it again. Because he's bored, he's broken it once, he doesn't want to try it. <laughs> he doesn't want to have an entire army of drones. Oh yeah, but I don't think he, that was ever the intent anyway. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Except it would have worked. Eh, not really, because you'd have to have them all be controlled, as opposed to, you know, robots where give them order, they do order. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, he, he sends it over, it possesses a float of Santa Claus making a line later on hella funnier. <laughs> I forget the line actually. Uh, when Anne is having that epic sh- final showdown with Andreas, uh, Andreas is like, oh I really underestimated you Anne Boon Choi, kid with one shoe and messy hair and this, and you turned out to be a real fawn in my side, and then Anne just goes, yeah well you went really quick from being happy Santa to evil villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or something to that effect. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I get the idea, yeah. I, I also um, love how Andreas just shrugs that line off and goes, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also looking at another thing he put in the notes for this episode that Anne writes the letter to Marcy and Sasha's parents. Yes. Um, vowing to bring them home. And like, we as viewers who have seen more know that she's closer to this than not, not at all. But yeah, this is what she's been working to the entire time. And her family is the only one that's gotten a win in getting their daughter home. The other two families have not. We don't see the other two families at all. No. Um, and yeah, this is where the halfway point of the season is and well just one longest... just one more note <laughs> Wait, okay um i cannot tell you how much the fanboys rejoiced to find out that sasha's parents are separated <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially they're like yes it all makes sense and it's all forgivable now and it's like well, not quite but i get your point yeah reasons rather than excuses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but yeah and, you were uh, saying halfway point yeah it's the halfway point um like like i said mentioned a little bit before darcy shows up right at the end of the episode yeah literally just a shit talk Andreas. Yep. <laughs> Except it's not, she's not named yet, so, so at the moment it's just Decor uh, possessing yeah, Marcy. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, again, during that last episode, I, I made a, a point of, it really, really pisses me off the amount of times Andreas could have uh, Darth Vader this motherfucker before she, he possessed uh, Darcy, uh, Marcy, even. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's shown later on that he doesn't have to, it doesn't have to have a direct connection to the rest of the, the rest of the core, you know, the um, the wire that, uh, that Darcy's on. He could have caught that but it wouldn't have done much because most of what's there is already in the helmet thing because that's what jets off yeah but if he um if he tried to destroy the core and then they got pissed off and went well fuck you then andreas then the core's fucked because no one knows it's there yeah <laughs> which gives andreas infinite time to destroy it now i get that there's plenty of motivation as to why he doesn't want to do this including uh you know a um uh, a filial bond yeah he's got the the well done son guy um motivation he wants his father's approval and by extension the rest of the core, which is just his ancestors. Mm. Which, by the way, his dad's called out. Al- his dad is called Aldrich, which is close yep. to Aldrich. Yep. <laughs> the devourer of gods. Mm. Let us devour the gods together. But yeah, uh, halfway point. There was a four-month break before we got to the next episode, which is uh, yeah, a lot of setbacks in one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most importantly, everyone getting captured. But silver lining, and Boon Choi got a motherfucking Skywalker hallway scene. Mm. Mm. which uh, um, I remember messaging you after seeing it and going, Rick, have you seen a new episode? You went, yeah. And I went, that fucking hallway scene. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, Mr. X kind of has his real face turn here. Yes, but no. He kind of has his face turn off camera. Yeah, he, he kind of has a heel realisation in that he just redirects the same energy he's been putting towards um, the planters and realises, oh, okay, this energy can be better used elsewhere and still be used in the service of society. Well, okay, again, you've got to bear in mind that Mr. X is 100% ignorant as to what Amphibia is and what the creatures are. Yeah, yeah. So it's not until after... The- the uh, planters and Anne have gone back to Amphibia that he gets a chat with uh, the Boon Toys and they explain everything which you know kickstarts a bit of help later on yeah yeah <laughs> little upgrade coming yeah um, but yeah the um, it was was it, you know, it was the, the massive bug creature that comes out into the real world it was just a red praying mantis yeah yeah but yeah uh, if you recall even all the frogs in Wartwood could uh, struggle to take one of those down yeah and um, when this aired was when the rest of the episodes up till this point were put on Disney plus uh i think we only got the first five at this point uh this is when we got the other the other four oh, fair enough it's, it's been a while um but yeah um we uh, end on pretty much a shot of the planters realizing amphibia is getting completely fucked by andreas and his mining machines and they're quite grieving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh next episode we get more plot 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 interesting plot too we got commander Anne and Sprivy. yeah so in commander so, Anne, we get Anne and sasha reuniting yeah and it's the first time that Ash, that Anne is it's the first time Anne has seen sasha ever since basically drawing the line under their friendship and going, we're done. And now Sasha has already undergone some char- character development, had some time alone in, well, not alone, but without Anne in Amphibia. And she has changed. She has become a leader and she's got the legitimate trust of the Waltwoodians. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Logel is buff. Yes, I didn't know his name. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, all the weirdos of Wartwood are basically fucking amazing at combat now. And um, yeah. now that Anne is back, Sasha immediately goes, cool, Anne, you're in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Anne doesn't want this either, because she partially because she doesn't want the, um, the, the... She doesn't want the bother of it, and she kind of does see how well Sasha is doing. Well, it, 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 even when she first takes over, it's not because she doesn't want the bother of it, it's because she's seeing that Sasha's already doing a good, a good job, so why change the status quo? And then yeah. later on, it's just hammered home that oh she doesn't know how to command yeah and Sasha is really wanting to offload the the crown as it were because she doesn't want to be the one who's a control freak because that was what was her biggest like it was her biggest flaw in the past well it's it's less that I think she even explicitly words it as the reason because they have an argument when Anne assumes that Sasha insisting that Anne be in charge is another way to manipulate and control her mm. but uh, Sasha reveals that actually no the last time I was in charge and you weren't we ended up doing some fucked up shit to one another and it broke our friendship and she doesn't want that to happen again yeah 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 so it's one of those weird ones where both of them don't have the complete story and yet it's one of the few times where I've not gotten mad at a program for not having a conversation because they both have a valid viewpoint from the information that they have and you know it's also done intense like it's it's not as dragged out as some media makes it yeah I feel Um, but but they do like shake hands and uh, agree to share command by the end of the episode. Well, it helps that the the conversation is taking place while the mission is going on under Anne's leadership, who doesn't know shit, and therefore everything is going wrong. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, the next episode is called Spry V, and everyone pretty much shares our our reaction whenever you see that lovey dovey couple that won't stop being lovey dovey for five minutes, and that is, will you stop it? Yeah. 
<laughs> we get it. You love each other. Fucking calm down. Yeah, yeah. So they want to be by each by each other's side and doing the mission together. And the long and the short of it is they realize that, oh, actually their skills were handpicked for the teams that they were originally assigned to. Well, that's the annoying part. They they don't realize that. They have to be told it by Sasha because they're idiot kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, the viewers notice it a lot earlier because the viewers are, you know, they're privy to the other thing that is happening at all times. Well, we have third person view, not first person. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. That's all it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sasha using uh, proper fucking military terms saying, yeah, you're our, uh, our elites and you're protecting our specialists. Mm, mm. Oh, by the way, did you know Sasha's fucking good at this shit? <laughs> In case you couldn't yeah. tell by, by now. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Sasha being good at this shit, the next episode is literally t- called Sasha's Angels. Yeah! Uh, um, go on. This is the one where Toadie is, has the spotlight. Um, he becomes a total badass and um, rescues um, Loggle, uh, Mrs. What's-Her-Face. It's Croker, isn't it? Yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Croker. And was it Maddie as well? Uh, I don't remember there being... I don't remember the other one. Yeah, okay. no, it wasn't Maddie. It was... Oh, uh, fuck, it was the Bard with the eye. Oh, yeah, One-Eyed Wally. Yeah, because uh, he, he he's a bit... Um, trigger happy with the exploding mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they they all escape because Toadie snaps, and Toadie immediately, despite having his physical transformation, um, goes back to being Toadie when he's back at camp. But that's also yeah. good because he's really good at fucking um, doing paperwork. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I think this is mostly Mrs. Croker being angry at Toadie for not pushing himself to be the best person that he can be. Yep, so much so and... that she ends up getting knocked out over it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, an uh, uh, important part of this episode is Anne and Sasha don't get captured by the rest of the group, and while they're waiting at the rendezvous, Anne's like, we should go in there and rescue them, while Sasha's like, nah, they can take care of themselves, and it gets into this weird sort of, uh, they're, they're sparring while having the argument slash discussion of Sasha saying, look, just trust them, because I trust them, because I know what they can do, and Anne's really suspicious that, no, you should be doing more, because that's the type of hero Anne is, but that's not necessarily always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have someone constantly saying, saving the day, people can't shine themselves. Yeah, it's like a Superman problem. you got to occupy a Superman to let the other heroes actually shine. It's literally why Kryptonite exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, next episode, Ometown Road. We see the word Ohm again, and we realise that that's actually the name of these creatures. Yeah, so I didn't know this until, well, obviously it was spelled out for us. Yeah. I also didn't know that it was a real word either. Yeah, same. So I uh, I looked it up, and yeah, they're, they're a kind of salamander. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we meet Lysil and Anwin, and yes, I did have to look up their names. The conjoined Ohm. Yeah, I also had to trust you on this script because I also just forgot their names immediately. Because well, they showed up for times. like one episode and they were dealt with as if they were like a side villain that really doesn't matter. And then here we are. Which, hey, guess what? Happens a fucking lot in this series. Yeah, so the entire back half of this season is um, bringing back monster of the week characters and turning them into a integral part of the combined rebellion yeah um yeah <laughs> and this is this is the first one of those seeing the the thing that looked just looked like some weird conjoined cave leviathan and actually making them important yep even though they've been you know exiled they, they got jar jar binks they're the ones that are exiled they're a bit leery about going back to their home city and rightly so because the moment they show up is hey you were banished fuck off yeah just like jar jar binks yeah <laughs> Binks break the no comebacky law. Yeah, but Binks is even worse because when Binks goes back, it's like you will now be appointed until death, which could <laughs> either mean being hit by rocks a lot or fucked. Either way, it does not sound fun. Oh no. <laughs> 
but yeah um yeah uh, they, they they take the the group to Proteo which is the old capital and our fourth race of amphibians uh yes yeah band kicked out etc etc the group ends up getting kicked out again after causing some trouble um wait I can't even remember if they caused the trouble or it's uh excess damage from the drills but either way they end up going back up top the ohms reveal that they can't actually exist in sunlight because it kind of kills them but not yeah they've got um they've got like Cali level of allergy to sunlight and just immediately turns out into to burn, burst out into blisters yeah not great but it, regardless Lysil and Anwin join the group in destroying a drill that actually does threaten the city yeah because the rest of the inhabitants were just super denying it and saying that this is the natural part of you know tectonic plate movement oh god it's too <laughs> real isn't it yeah yeah anyway um the despite saving the city the boss still tells the group to go fuck off and then we cut to Sasha going nah fuck you and mm. that is enough to make the boss go ah fine which leads us <laughs> to Mother Ohm our yes, very does. early on clue now let's have a quick look here uh, when we get this clue all the way back in episode 4 it's been 9 episodes since this was mentioned yes <laughs> uh, first thing I want to say is Mother Ohm is voiced by Whoopi Goldberg and it does not sound like Whoopi Goldberg doing Whoopi Goldberg yeah I also didn't know this like this is something that I didn't see in the credits at all um, but yeah that's, that's kind of cool yeah explains why she doesn't have eyebrows <laughs> uh, so, sorry that was an unnecessary comment wasn't it but you know um, but yeah the episode's fucking weird because the gang has to go inside Mother Om's head quite literally and apply some ointment to her brain to make her remember yes yes this episode's quite fucking morbid because very quickly they stumble upon the fucking old newt person who used to do this for her and it's a skeleton yep yep yep, yep. <laughs> so it's been only, a while the only ointment that there is is held by the skeleton who didn't manage to do it <laughs> yeah uh, we also find that the real reason why she's got headaches is because her head is now home to a nest of batskitos which by the way is a great fucking name yeah <laughs> double blood suckers yeah well only vampire butts eat, bats eat blood but whatever um, yeah. true 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 uh, while this is going on Mother Olm has a bit of a chat with Hot Pop and Hot Pop laments growing older and Mother Olm explains eh, it's not all that bad and yeah that's a message you need to drill into people yeah 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 like even if you're getting wrinkly and creaky you're still you like Rick I'm gonna be 30 in about a month and a half which isn't yeah. old by any stretch of the ima- imagination but let me tell you if you're a young person or younger person I should say listening to this um, you will reach an age it might be an old age it might be a relatively young age where you just sort of stop and go man I'm fucking old now yeah and again 30 is not old <laughs> Yeah, some people have their midlife crisis when they're 17, you know. Which is bad, because yeah. they probably don't realise it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough going. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to really get... You need to get used to the idea very quick that you will get old. Yeah, like, I've already had more than half of my 30s. Like, the struggle is real. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 36 right now. 36 and a half, almost. <laughs> so I didn't even know you were that old. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where... <laughs> my brain does this weird thing where... What age did I meet you at? You're that age forever. Yep, yep, yep. So for me, you're like how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to overtake me soon in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, we got distracted. Um, yeah, we uh, we all learn we uh, we learn that Hot Pop's skills in agriculture can come in handy when he picks up some leaves to make Olm sneeze out the gang. Um, but yeah, um, eventually the group does learn that all three of the girls are meant to get superpowers and save the world, much to Sasha's delight. Because yeah, they need a win after getting covered in Olm snot. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I need to stress that Sasha being pissed that all she had to do was look up and they could have avoided all of that is totally justified. Yeah. 
However, they do he heal Mother Olm by doing it, so... Yeah, I suppose. Um, it's it's of a benefit to the overall um, ally gestalt. Mm -hmm. uh, next episode is Grime's Pupil, and I was looking forward to this episode since I learnt the title, because I fucking love Grime. Yes. <laughs> Ever since the end of Season 2, Grime has been on my the top of my, like, I like this side character a lot. Mostly because um, I can pinpoint the moment, and that's when they fucking pull down the mural and find the real mural, which is the new enslaving the multiverse and Grime just going oh boy it's a real good thing we stopped him uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the moment where I was like yeah Grime I like Grime he's a piece of shit but not as evil as the other piece of shits and also <laughs> like let's be real during season 3 he just gets more and more fluffy <laughs> yeah he's uh, he's just kind of sneaking towards the uh, the good guy's side the entire time just so he can be stood shoulder to shoulder with all the rest of the good guys you know yeah 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 um, but yeah this episode's great it's another uh, show of Grime even though he's done his face turn he's still a fucking soldier and yes. uh, when they try to win the Toad army for the rebellion Grime's solution is to challenge Beatrix to a duel and uh, you know win against control of the army basically however Beatrix reveals that she gets to choose who she fights and she chooses Sprig because Sprig beat Grime in one on one combat <laughs> yep he did that one time didn't he yeah it was literally the end of season 2 wasn't it yeah I believe so yeah. so yeah um, Grime then has the entire well, most of the rest of the episode, training Sprig to fight like a toad. Unfortunately, there's a few flaws with this plan. Yeah, uh, the size of Sprig and the fact that he's not a toad. Yep. And also the fact that they hate each other still, even when they're trying to work together to train each other. Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, they do eventually come together. I forget what the exact uh, moment is, but I know there's like, I feel like it's like killer bees involved. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the, 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 the takeaway from it is basically Grime going, okay, Sprig, fight like a frog. Oh, by the um, way, Grime voiced by Troy Baker. Yep, yep. Yeah, he is. Which I did not know. <laughs> but it, and, uh, but think, it totally makes sense when you find out. I think Beatrix is Ashling B, which is one of the Irish comics that shows up in QI quite often. Okay, yeah, I know who Ashling B is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beatrix <laughs> does not sound like Ashling B, but okay. That's just a testament to that actor, if that is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we get the fight between Beatrix and um, Sprig. Sprig wins, because Beatrix cannot combine with the ferocity of a toad, uh, sorry, the aggressiveness of a toad style mixed with the agility of a frog. Mm, mm. And, uh, yeah, the episode ends with Beatrix losing and going, fine, you get the army. And then Grimes saying, oh, yeah, trying to act professional for all of two seconds before laughing in her face and rightfully getting knocked the fuck out with a punch. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And I don't care what doesn't you say, he, that will never not be funny. Doesn't he do the thing of when he's laughing, he, he just alternates pointing both fingers? <laughs> Which, unfortunately, he can't do anymore. But um, Oh, not anymore, no, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next episode, The Root of Evil and the Core and the King. Yeah, Apothecary Gary. Yeah, I didn't really care for this episode. It it did what most episodes have already been doing, which is, here's old antagonist, he is good guy now, because bigger threat. Yeah, so it's the mind control mushroom from back in the day is now an entire mini faction. That being and said, we do have a key difference, don't we, in that everyone in this village is willing. Yeah, the villagers are willing, and they're all linked rather than um, just being being individually controlled and because of this it makes them instrumental in understanding how the andreas mind control is is uh, working because it's basically the same psychoactive compounds and also they bond a little bit with hot pop in that he is a an avid yeah he's, he's an he's a passionate horticulturalist yep and that's basically how they recruit them yeah pr well kind of uh they really recruit them by doing the uh, the turnabout save at the end by accidentally leading 
leading Andreas's robots to uh, to the village. Yeah, like they could have left at that point. I mean, they but did. That's not what heroes do. They they, yeah, they did. They were gone, and they were like, "Oh, we got to turn back, don't we?" It's it's always yeah. a funny that type of moment in every show. Yeah, <sighs> we got to be protagonists, don't we? Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do remember because it did make me laugh was when they revealed that oh there might be another type uh, another fungus helping Andreas and uh, and does that fucking uh, eyebrow wagging thing and go hey it might be a lady fungus only for the yeah. uh, only for Gary to cross his cross his beetle arms and go that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I love the hey 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 eyebrows in any media. Yeah, it's great, especially in <laughs> cartoons because they can really make them go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the next episode is arguably arguably why I didn't really care for Root of Evil because the Core and the King is a fucking great episode because it's a flashback to Andreas. Yes, I love these episodes in general, and this was a very good one of it because it calls back to a time when all amphibians were united yeah. as a utopian society. It shows us the utopian society, and it shows us the end of it. Yeah, um, we see Leaf Barrel, and Barrel is the one who has the ha- who had the ha- that Grime retrieved and can now wield. Yeah, man. I. It's so cool seeing legendary artifacts being wielded by the original person. Yes, 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 yes. It's like, um, uh, it's a bit different, but there's a moment in, spoilers for uh, Seven Deadly Sins, of um, the character Escanor inherited the spirit of the One, which is the spirit of an angel, is the abilities of an angel, and uh, Escanor's body is being broken down because he's only a human and he can't wield it to full effect anymore. Uh, sure. I'm really glossing over it. There's a bit more to it than that but the angel whose ability it was doesn't have the ability anymore when he comes down to help in the fucking war uh, because there's really spoiler stuff so I won't say it but um, Escanor just goes I can lend you the power again because he's that arrogant it's great um, so the original angel takes it and it's like oh Escanor was shit at this <laughs> damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that sort of thing. It's like, oh, this guy's got a legendary weapon and he's badass with it. But then you see the person who fucking invented the style and he's like, nah, you ain't shit, son. Granted, we don't yeah. see Barrel in combat, but you know, it's. Just, I just get that feeling when you see that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, the person who invented, well, even if he didn't invent it, he's the one that um, it's made for. Yeah. Rather than just generally usable by any toad of sufficient strength. Yep. Which there clearly aren't very many of because, you know, that hammer was out there in the universe for quite some time well even, Grime even and, when Grime and, got it you remember that episode when he got it he couldn't use it for for a bit yeah and it um, wasn't it also like guarded by the creature that it was embedded in yeah when he pulled it out he tried to use it and he struggled yeah yeah because it's a rocket hammer yeah <laughs> and until you realise it's a rocket hammer yeah it's just a big old lump yeah 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 yeah. Um, but yeah it, it's a good fucking episode man um, we basically see the reason why this collapse is because Leaf has too much empathy yes um, Leaf also learns some awful truths and wants to um she, she wants to basically help andreas break free of the evil you know yeah it's one of those where I, i've worded it rather crudely in my notes and i won't repeat what i said but um if king aldrich didn't say specific words to andreas just literally like a day or an hour before um leaf found out and said oh we should not do this then it probably would have worked out yeah like it was perfect timing to plant the seeds of doubt into andreas yeah because because he said it before Leaf said a thing, 
it was a plausible thing to be like, well, Dad's never steered me wrong. Yeah, because this was this is basically the last thing he said to Andreas before he joined the corps, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was uh, he was a living person before this, and then he just went to go. He went down into the basement and um, just became another one of the many eyes. Yeah. And from then on, whenever we hear the core, we know that most of what is talking to Andreas is his father. Yeah, because the core knows that that's the best way to fucking control him. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Uh, we also officially get Marcy's new name. Yeah, we get the real Darcy name. Yeah, called Darcy, and uh, I think uh, the core rather glibly says, uh, "Yes, we've based it on a video game that Marcy liked. It's quite fitting." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, hmm. Now is it Dark Pit or is it Dark something else? Uh, dark Pit, Dark Link. That's just the, dark anything. That's but... the problem, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man, it's they did a real good job in making that cre- that creature look evil, and that creature, I mean, the core taking over Marcy and making Darcy. Yeah, because you still see Marcy's face, but it's contorted in ways that a human never would. Yeah. Like, enormous, massive, evil grins. Yeah. Also, they really like to do that fucking neck snap thing. Yeah. Itch, you know. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the episode ends with Leaf fucking off and running away with the music box because they didn't want them to use it, and uh, Barrel gets banished to what eventually becomes Toad Tower. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also, yeah, all of this stemmed because Andreas looked at a ripped-up painting that he slashed out of anger back in the day. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, the entire flashback because of that, yeah. Yeah. Alright, um, oh, gone. Yeah, it's, it's one of those later on, we learned that the split up went even further, didn't it? But uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, yeah, next episode is Newt in, Newt's in Tights and Fight or Flight. I've got to be honest with you, I'd rather just gloss over these episodes because, again, it's just more recruiting. We get, um, uh, what's his name? We get Tritonio the Newt and we get uh, Domino 2. Yeah, I was, when we were going through all of these Monster of the Week returns, I was, I was like, oh, okay, so when's Domino 2 going to show up again? Weirdly <laughs> enough, I had the opposite reaction to this oh sorry preemptive reaction to this episode because I saw Newt's in tights and I went oh that's got to be the Newt dude that trained them and fucked them yeah <laughs> did not think we were going to see Domino 2 again and yet here we are yeah 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 <laughs> But yeah, these episodes happened and they add to the list of returning villains, returning bit characters. And then well, so, get into the three armies. Well, I was going to say, just before that, uh, it gives us the three armies in that we now have a Newt faction, Toad faction, and Frog faction all on the Rebellion side. Yeah, because the, the rest of the Newts are just in Newtopia, mm. which is basically, essentially in super lockdown after the castle took off. I don't think that's correct. I Because think- the army, everything that Andreas's fortress is now slash Newtopia. Utopia, to, to an extent, then, is um, is flying and only staffed by robots. Yeah, like, a third of the city is the castle, and that's gone. But the other newts that live in Utopia, I think they're basically on super lockdown. I think the robots are keeping them in. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't think we ever saw that, but fair enough. Um, yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say was Sasha just smugly saying, yeah, now we have air cavalry. Yeah. <laughs> we have sky units. Let's hope they don't have longbows. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I played Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Free Army slash the beginning of the end. Um, Free Armies is a very light, fluffy episode. Uh, granted, there's quite a bit of conflict in it, but it's it's fluffy because the next episode is real bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the yeah the, the the fluffy one is a conflict between newts, toads, and frogs. And yeah, like you say, it gets it gets it gets resolved, and the armies actually do unite into a united front. They all get united because Sasha yells at them for making Anne sad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, the frogs don't like the newts because they think, well, they think they're evil because Andreas and newts don't like fr- toads because toads are uh, brutes and uh, frogs don't like either of them because they're getting ignored. Yeah. <laughs> 
and once again, Hot Pop becomes the leader of the frogs because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we learned earlier on that if he knew the elections were more than just in the place that they are, he would have won the mayorship of Wartwood. Dude, that was the funniest realisation, especially when, um, I've forgotten the mayor's name, but, uh, because th- Toadie's such a better name than whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, but the, ma- the mayor just going, oh, you only campaigned in Wartwood. Oh, that's sad. Uh- <laughs> Almost makes me feel bad for take for winning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, landslide victory in home territory. All the other votes are the ones that matter. <laughs> Well, it is when you're only one territory of ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, we'll move on to the next episode, shall we? Beginning of the end. Oh, sorry. Mm, the next mm. part of the same episode. It's very weird, isn't it? Where every episode's two episodes, except for the ones that ain't. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the beginning of the end. Uh, we start with Anne and Sasha having a heart-to-heart about Marcy, because, you know, they haven't really talked yeah. about that yet. Yeah, they need to talk about it. It's something that needs to be at least addressed before it becomes, you know, a problem later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I do like how that they get Grime to basically distract the planters by yeah they separate basically so grime and planters take one flying vehicle sasha and ann take the other mm-hmm. and uh when they when they make that revelation grime says oh cool i'll play my new playlist and sasha just tears up and goes i'm so proud of you grimesy yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they have to tell him off when they get to the stealth part of the mission because he doesn't turn it off fast enough <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you see, I always like that, like calling that um, reciting the litany of stealth. Oh right, yeah, Kronk. <laughs> well, it's it's a Warhammer joke. And it's in, like, the Imperial Guard handbook of, if you need to be stealthy, recite the litany of stealth. And the real joke is that there is no litany of stealth, so what it means is, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but Private Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the episode, we get a dance-off, basically, between uh, Sasha and Anne versus Yunnan and Olivia, mm-hmm. which uh, ends with Olivia and Yunnan being defeated, because, uh, which is impressive, because, as we learnt, they are totally in sync. Yeah, they are. Like, partially because of the mushrooms, but also because, you know, other things. Yeah, which we learn, which is great. Um, but yeah, they get defeated safely because the collars get removed. And just as Anne is about to burst into the final door and save Marcy, they both try to warn her about what that uh, it's a trap, basically. And everyone gets trapped. Yep. <laughs> They get tied up in uh, cables, and uh, the Corps smugly announces to the army fighting outside, which, by the way, is causing a massive distraction, uh, that their leaders have been captured and they should lay down their arms, etc. And then she turns inwards and goes, cool, time to dissect Anne. And Anne, using the power of bullshit, manages to earn a stay of execution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the episode ends with basically the castle and Andreas's robot forces heading to Earth. Mm. And Rick, it's time to talk about All In. So now we get to talk about All In. And as far as I'm concerned, this is kind of the real finale, um, to the point that I was astounded at the amount of things that happened in this episode. Uh, it is important to note that this is uh, this episode is twice as long as any other episode. Yes, it is. Even the actual finale, which is the next episode after this. The actual finale isn't a finale, it's a victory lap. Yeah, it's a, co- it's a cool-down victory lap. This is the one that really has everything happening in it. Um, we get to go back to Earth, which started at the end of last episode and actually properly happens this time. Um, we see a bunch of things. Things. Mr. X has had his face turned. He's got his super special agents. Which is just the boon choice. Yeah, it's just the boon choice. It's revealed immediately. <laughs> There's no point in being coy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before <laughs> that, we do see a line of tanks. Uh, basically, the US government apparently can just deploy tanks in California whenever they want, within seconds. Yep. And uh, yep, yep, yep. they fire a barrage of, uh, of missiles slash rockets at the uh, flying castle from outer space, and it does nothing because they have shields. Yep. <laughs> so that very quickly... They, uh, they, they blow up the tank. 
tanks as well. I don't think they get deflected. I think they just bounce, they hit the, uh, the the barrier and then they just explode on the barrier, therefore doing nothing. But um, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair basically eliminating immediately the reason why the U.S. Army isn't going to matter to Amphibia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, because uh, that was a thing on the subreddit for a while of people going, ah, the U-. it's something that someone know that people always do when oh if another universe invaded, the U.S. Army will fix it, and it's like yeah, no, no, they're not a yeah. magic solution for everything. If it was conv- my favorite one is gone. my favorite one of those is someone did a a full on deconstruction of a U.S. Army versus one Imperial Star Destroyer. Well, that's dumb. And I think the Imperial Star Destroyer still wins. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have technology that can just fucking nuke something in space. Yeah, and if they start to lose, we don't have something that can just jump into a different dimension and then return later when it's repaired. Uh, again, when this comparison can only be done via conventional forces, and like, yeah, the amphibia forces when it's just the giant, not the giant robots necessarily, but the the killer robots. You know, it's comparable. You're like, okay, yeah, you can see why people would think the US military would fuck that up, but they can't fuck things up with shields that basically render conventional military weapons obsolete. Yeah, the good old nope shield. <laughs> yeah, which is just you know cheap writing to a certain degree, but whatever. We've established that magic kind of exists, not magic, but advanced tech exists in Amphibia, so... Yeah, super magic tech. Yeah, and um, yeah, there is the duel, is the big one, between Sasha and Darcy. Yeah, the, t- the two duels that happen almost simultaneously. Uh, yeah. That being said, the fucking thing that I didn't like about this finale, because it was just a pull for no reason, in my opinion, was the okay. two killer herons being the ones that killed Spriggs' parents. Yeah. That didn't need to it be a thing. A weird one. It didn't need to be, but now it is. And I think the actual thing that shows the growth of the planters as a, like, culturally and as characters is that they are quite happy to use these herons as controlled mounts later on, despite the, there being that trauma. But again, like, the trauma just, this is going to sound weird and awful, but the trauma just feels tacked on. It kind of does, yeah. Because it was, it was okay being something in the past that happened, because that was like one of the starting episodes of, yeah, it's a heron, these actually are actually dangerous, they killed their parents, and it was okay with drawing a line under it there, and yeah, I, I kind of agree that they didn't need to make a resurgence here, specifically as as themselves. Uh, that being said, because c- c- again, there's enough stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that being said, we do get the awesome flashback of, oh, Hop Hop did used to be a badass. Mm. Apparently. <laughs> well, it's one of those. Everybody in the planter family was at least some form of badass, as recorded in the big old book, and this is also when we realise that, ah, there is part, there's another reason for that, they're all descendants from Leaf. Yeah, but I kind of, I, I kind of don't like the trope of, oh, this special person was in your, an- was your ancestor, so therefore you're special, you know? Yeah, but also you could kind of see it, because Leaf is just sprig with... Oh yeah, no, that's fine, <laughs> I'm not shitting on it, I'm just saying I think the trope's dumb. Yeah, true, true. It kind of would have made slightly more impact if they were just nobodies, you know? Yeah, but we already, they established it early on that they're not just nobodies, I'm just saying the trope of special people in past means that you yourself are special too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, the two big standout moments of the finale are the Andreas duel and the Darcy duel, and I just want to cover something very quickly right now, in that um, there's a moment where Darcy's cheek gets nicked by Sasha, and she bleeds green. The subreddits yeah. were going mad on this, in that, why? Why 
is she bleeding green? And the really simple answer is Disney says no blood in kids' cartoons. Yep. And because it's green <laughs> means it's not blood. Yeah, it's some weird alien substance which is now pumping through the body. It's also why Andreas can horribly get disfigured because he's only a cyborg and why the army is robots. Yes, exactly. Like, it, <laughs> and it sucks that that's the reason, but that's the reason you can't show things dying or getting actually actual bodily harm in uh, in a Disney cartoon aimed at kids. Also, uh, do you wonder why Darcy's scythe has got that fire effect? Yeah, instant cauterization. Yeah, so we don't get a load of blood when Grime gets his arm cut off or when Sasha gets a gnarly gash on her back. And, like, we've seen that from, like, even Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber isn't perfect at that. We saw the guy in the bar in A New Hope. There is still some blood on the arm that gets cut off. Yeah, but that's because it's George Lucas and he doesn't think about that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, look, yeah. Star Wars rules are inconsistent at best. Like, he's on camera calling it a laser sword already, but... <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah... Uh, we get we get two very different fights. We get a D and D esque fight between Darcy and Sasha, while we get an anime shonen as fuck showdown between Anne and Andreas. Yeah, and I really love the symbology of how the Andreas fight ends. Go on. When um, he's he's like going through his memories, and it, his final memory is Leaf saying, "I just beg you to open your heart," and that's when he just he literally does that. He he deactivates his armor and just shows his chest to his opponent presents a weak point and awaits defeat. Yeah, the thing about that is is Anne is going so fast in her Super Saiyan mode that she doesn't realise that he stopped until after the fact, which is one of those moments where you're like, oh fuck, if this happened, if, if he didn't do this while Anne was mid-attack, Anne probably would have held fire. Yeah. Because that's the type just, of person Anne is. Yeah, just like held out a hand and let him get down from the throne of doom, as it were. Yeah. As we and as we found out, by the way, uh, that took an immense amount of power because Andreas can be subtly over overtaken at will by the core because of that crown. Yes. <laughs> um, the third fight, as it were, is Marcy's own internal combat. Yeah, which starts fantasy. as her doing a bunch of puzzles. Yeah, puzzles, 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 and then she finally gets bored of puzzles and Aldrich comes to her and goes yeah we got more stuff do you want to go do this did we mention that the people who fucking are behind this show are massive nerds yeah <laughs> this is one where I had to pause it and go really oh it is I was more surprised <laughs> by the Eldor, Eldor guard than the Link oh definitely like Link is well enough known yeah and granted it's the most recent Link iconic appearance from Breath of the Wild but specifically Edelgard that was such a perfect casting for a a poisonous friend who can also be an incredible ally if you are specifically on that route. It's one of those where Edelgard is very much that figure of you're either with me or you're not. And she's also red, which helps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Marcy's costume was meant to be. The closest thing I could think of was uh, just a generic Hobbit. Yeah, I think she was meant to be like a... A Tolkien one. Like a, yeah, a Tolkien Lord of the Rings type person, either a Hobbit or Strider, but uh, when Strider used to wear the green stuff. Yeah, except the, the outfit is simplistic like the Hobbits as opposed to Strider's who, even when he was Strider, had a bit of a more complicated outfit than not at all. Yeah. The thing that really grinds my gears on this one though is that this is basically giving Marcy the same thing again because when she got to Amphibia for the first time she 
she styled herself as a like rogue ranger artificer. So she was already treating the entire world as a game. Yeah, but and I, now I, she gets to do the same thing again. But that's the point, though, isn't it? Is that it's not her doing it; it's um, Aldric looking into her memories and seeing what she wants. Yeah, giving her exactly what the core thinks she wants. And oh yeah, this and, is the third battle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, co- yes. I completely forgot about that because there's a point where she can just give up and live her fantasies, and then there's a line I think from Sa- Fake Sasha and Fake Anne, which is just like, "We want to do what you want to do." Ah, and um, and that's that's really what brings her out of it and goes, "That's not what friends are." Yeah, and she powers through, and we get she gets a fate worse than death, which thankfully she's saved from. But literally, Aldrich goes, "Okay, fine. If you don't want to have all of these fantasies played out, because he's fucking sick and tired of doing this shit, you can just yeah. rot here in eternal darkness. Eventually, you'll assimilate. It's fine." Yeah, yeah. Eventually, your personality will fade. <laughs> And we'll have all of your abilities. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want the playground, you get the box. Ugh. But yeah, um, <laughs> let's talk about that fucking Darcy fight then. Yeah. So it's uh, Sasha versus Darcy. Um, Sasha gets her scar, mm-hmm. which persists even ten years later. Yeah. Um, Grime intercepts a kill blow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could hear the fan base go nuts when that happened, because um, I don't know why, but the fan base just assumed and thought that it was gospel truth that... And was going to lose an arm at some point in the series for some reason. I don't know why. I didn't personally believe it because I couldn't see the evidence people were pointing to. And yeah, yeah like, when Grime lost an arm, I'm like, ha ha, fuck you, fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Closest thing I can think of is Finn in Adventure Time because he keeps losing an arm. Well, he loses an arm once and then he loses all the replacement arms. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. But I mean, apparently <laughs> there was some foreshadowing clues in a episode of Amphibia that Anne was going to lose an arm. And I, I didn't see it myself. I'm like, nah. I think you're clutching but whatever it was Grime that lost an arm and mm, mm. fucking Sasha goes into Berserker Rage which as we know from D&D is OP yes uh, <laughs> and uh, we get that it happened it's it's a trope in and of itself but I don't care I love it of uh, her taking a swing villain going haha you missed and it's like oh did I uh, yep <laughs> I wasn't aiming for your neck kind of thing yeah but yeah it's, it's one of those things where it's it's a good way of stacking the deck against the hero where the hero can't just kill their opponent. Yes. And it's not because of some bullshit moral code. It's, I'd be killing more than just the villain if I kill this person. Yeah, yeah. So when someone's under mind control, it's very definitely, if you just kill the person, then you're killing a person as well as a villain. Oh, fuck. i got to talk about it. Okay, spoilers for Multiverse of Madness. Skip forward about a minute and a half. All right, people shitting on Reed Richards for try- for telling, them, uh, telling Wanda about Black Bolt's power are fucking mm. idiots because Reed Richards is doing that because he knows that the wonder that is being possessed is completely innocent and doesn't want her to die. Yes. But so I'm I'm all for this. Yeah. It's it's one of those where people are like, oh Reed Richards is meant to be super smart. And it's like, yeah, he is. He's also a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And it drives home that the innocent wonder whose feet are cut up to shit from walking on broken glass all the time and leaving her kids abandoned essentially. It really hammers home that she's still a good person when the kids are frightened to death of the Scarlet Witch Wonder. Also, this 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 group knows Wonder and they know she's a good person in this universe so they're not going to want to hurt her anyway sorry spoiler talk over yep 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 (laughs) but yeah it's just such a good way of handicapping the good guy without being like oh Batman I don't kill yeah and like he's broken that code at least once in the past anyway so yeah well sometimes there's exceptions there's always exceptions there has to be but he never makes an exception for the one character that matters except for that in that one 
Alan Moore comic. Yeah, yeah. Because that's meant to be the end of that story. It's meant to be the end of Batman, but of course it's never going to yeah. be the end of Batman because Batman's going to be Batman. We need to sell money. Yeah. We need to sell money. Sell comics for it's, money. It's the end of Batman in that story. No, it, because Alan Moore, story Alan Moore intended the killing joke to be the end of Batman. That's okay, it. Batman okay. would just not be Batman no more. We continue with new characters. However, no one's going to do that because Batman sells more copies than anything apart from Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, digression aside, uh, the episode ends very weirdly because we see the core fuck off. So we, know, as yeah. viewers, know the core is alive. And then we head back to Amphibia. Everything's well. Oh, the uh, giant red moon is crashing to the planet. And there's no real suspense because us as viewers know immediately uh, it's the core being bullshit. Yeah, this is the last episode. This is how it's going to end. We got to defeat this. This is the last hurdle to jump over. And yeah, we knew it was a victory lap. We knew it was the last episode. And yeah, they do get the cool super power-ups though yeah before that we're on the hardest thing now and i'll just say this here and now i think the hardest thing should have just been the epilogue i don't think maybe i don't think they needed to have this i mean they kind of did because they needed to do the thing with Anne and the sacrifice and talking to god but um you know you didn't need the conflict yeah like i think the only benefit of this was they split the conflict up between two episodes and two weeks so you're not just got a cooldown episode it's a cooldown episode with a a high not so much high stakes but a high energy send off for the three girls yeah so they, they get there everyone gets a super mode yep um, um okay I, I, I need to I need to say it I need to say it that final that all in was anime as fuck and when they got yep. their superpowers and started doing something doing stuff it was anime as fuck and I love that Marcy called it out yeah she goes yeah this is anime as fuck I'm gonna roll a d20 <laughs> yeah Marcy is the type of nerd we would hang out with yeah um, and yeah, they've all got their own individual fighting styles. I really like Sasha's, and every time she does something cool, a phoenix just shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that symbolic? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it took a long-ass time, but Andreas, as we think it's his final act, but we know it's not, he finally does a proper face turn, and even Grime, who has had his own face turn way earlier, goes, What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I think Grime in particular, having undergone a face turn and knows what it's like, is probably really annoyed that he's not just done this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Andreas, yeah, he sends his entire military, which is now under only his control now that he is free from the core after having cr- crushed his little crown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help send the moon back to space. Yeah, but unfortunately it's not enough. No. Because as we <laughs> learned before the final conflict, Mother Ohm says, hey, we- if things are too dire... You can totally kill yourself and just win. Yeah, and the way that works is all you have to do is ask. Yeah. Did not expect that to be quite so literal. No, but uh, the way that it was framed, it tugged at the heartstrings more than like trying to come up with a vague answer to a vague hint. Yeah, sure. No, I get you. I'm just saying it's... Uh, it, eh. it was it was funny, but on the nose. And uh, yeah, she orders her friends to go back to Earth. Not Earth. Amphibia, because she doesn't know what this is what this is going to do. Uh, yeah, go back, go back to the surface. Leave me your gems. I'm going to do a thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not good enough for Sprig. It's, it's basically not good enough for Sasha either. She just goes, don't you do anything stupid, Boonchoy, or... I more mean then, because uh, Sprig fucking hijacks a robot to go up into space and help her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, he doesn't really do much, but he does bring bring her back down after she is spent. And as she's getting Thanos dusted, uh, yeah, everyone has a cry. Yeah, and I love the resolution of that afterwards, though. But uh, we'll get to it after the the God bit. Yeah, she, there's a a confrontation with God, who is voiced by Ruby from Steven Universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was weird. 
Yeah, she starts out as a late 90s Mac and starts, like, sending instant messages with smiley faces in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a point where uh, I'll call them God because I don't really know what they, if they get a name and if they do, it's more complicated than God. But um, they're like the Guardian of the Multiverse or some shit. I think it is actually Guardian of the Multiverse. Like, they, they specifically don't call it God because doing so is, you know, taboo. Yeah, but it, it, I'm an atheist, dude, you know? Like, it's just easier yeah, yeah, to yeah. say God instead of, oh, God or Allah or insert fucking faith thing here um you know uh, but yeah god um <laughs> basically reveals that just literally a second before Anne perished she made an exact copy and that's who she's speaking to and then we quote to Anne immediately going boy that brings up some existential nightmare questions yeah <laughs> and i i hand on heart i would not be able to cope with that knowledge yeah like the way the only way that you could really get over it is if god just goes yeah the one the soul that's in it is the one that died and therefore you're not two people you know that does, that wouldn't help me okay no nah, i i'd break is what I'm saying. So kudos to Anne for somehow being able to compartmentalise that. Oh, yeah. also being told she has 78 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be even worse. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna die when she's like 92. Which is pretty good innings, don't get me wrong, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being told an ex... Uh, uh, well, it's not exact, I suppose, but like being given a very accurate assessment as to how many years you have left long on the, uh, left on the planet. I, no! <laughs> like, they could have glossed over it and said, hey, what's a century or so? Uh. But uh, no, she gave her an exact number. <laughs> <laughs> but like even as she, even as she's told she's being flung back into basically life and she sort of, she's just like wait what are you saying I'm going yeah. to live for 78 years <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh, and then the next bit she's just like hey y'all oh I did love the fucking hot pop going not now Anne we're crying because <laughs> <Yeah>. Anne <laughs> exactly <laughs> And that's very definitely a hot pop thing of, yeah, not now, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it's Sprig who realises first, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, don't worry. When Anne does eventually die in 78 years, uh, she is going to become the next uh, god. Yeah, almost certainly, yeah. So uh, that's something. <laughs> the only way that it's not going to be Anne is if it's actually the triumvirate. Oh, I suspect that if Anne takes over, she is going to do something like that. Yeah. Also, fucking good pol- kudos bringing that word out. What, the triumvirate? Yeah, it's not used very often. No. <laughs> because, you know, who the fuck has free rulers in modern day? No one. Um, no, no. <laughs> like, I had to look up that word uh, once, and uh, the last time it was used was in, like, fucking, I think, Rome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, also, the reason I looked it up is because uh, they released that Triumvite box set for 40k. <laughs> and I was like, what sure. the fuck is Triumvite? Yeah. And I should have guessed, yeah, considering yeah, there was three yeah. models, but whatever. Yeah, they, they use old shit like that in like um, in nerd fiction a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I get you, I get you. Anyway, I'm just saying, good job. Everyone's happy because Anne's alive. She gets three shards of the crystal, and Marcy very quickly deduces that, oh yes, we can get a portal to home, but it's probably going to be one way, and we don't know how long it'll last. Yeah, not only do we don't know, they don't know how long it will last, they also don't know how long the crystal shards will last like the crystal shards are already on a timer they're basically saying you've got moments to say goodbye not days no i don't think that's true i don't think the implication was they only have a a, they have to use them now or they're gone i think once they are activated that's when the timer starts and they're unsure of sure sure fair enough because it's been at least an afternoon before they actually bugger off and they say some heartfelt goodbyes the one that really made me smile was telling polly that she's going to take over the world someday and polly's going yeah without without you keeping holding me back from doing stupid stuff I, I definitely will it, it was literally I think the exact wording was without you as a moral compass <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 a moral chain yeah, yeah. 
it's it's one of those where I like all of the goodbyes were great. I absolutely I actually cheered when Olivia and Yunnan did their goodbye because it's just like you made us realize certain things and then they sort of held hands and I was like, what? Fuck yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you want to do something like that, or rather I should say, because of how we've seen how Disney reacted to the Owl House, and I gotta be honest with you, Luz having um having a relationship with Amity, it's not a big fucking deal in the show even you know it's just a thing that is occur- it's not the point of the show it's just a thing that happens in the show yeah it's, it's one of many things that happens so what we've learned is if, do it in the finale if you yeah if you want to do the big gay you have to do it one do it in the finale and two do it subtly otherwise Disney will crack down because they are not gay friendly don't believe their lies when it's June mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you've got to doing it in the finale is like a, a staple thing these days like they did it in Adventure Time oh what with, with PB uh, and uh, uh, Marceline yeah, yeah even though they were gay <laughs> since like season three there's entire episodes dedicated to showing it but not telling the vampire fucking shit was just PB and Marceline being gay and sending Finn and Jake off to do quests <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I'm all for because it's a trope I love and that is one is cuddly and fluffy one is edgelord emo they are the perfect couple yeah <laughs> they even do, that's even what Luz and Amity are although Amity's getting better true 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 like she's uh, she's she's dyed her hair to be yeah Amity dyed her hair because well rebellion yeah partially rebellion but also it speaks to the viewer as a yeah I'm now cuter and fluffier and <laughs> no she ain't and going around well I mean she kind of is no <laughs> But yeah, uh, Yunnan and Olivia are the, are the big gay, and I'm all for that. Uh, and they yes. thank Marcy for... I don't know, is it kind of implied that that sort of thing's frowned upon in Amphibia, and Marcy is the revelation that, no, it's fine, or what? It's a bit ambiguous. I don't think it actually is stigmatised at all. It's just that... It's just the word. The wording of them saying, oh, you made things clear for us, is a bit odd. Unless the implication is, oh, she realised that they were sweet on each other and kind of pushed them, but we never see that, so it's hard. Well, it might be a case of... the. the they both were engrossed in work before that? Maybe, maybe. I'd rather prefer that, that than Amphibia being some bigot world. Yeah, I, I really did see it as engrossed in work because Yunnan definitely just does define herself by her accomplishments. Oh, yeah, yeah, no shit. As a, as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's another good closing line of Yunnan um, doing her spiel and Olivia saying, we know, dear. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. And also Yunnan in a suit. Yeah, Sorry. And that's, in the, that's in the time skip bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's after the time skip. Uh, sorry, it's not a suit, it's actually a military dress uniform yes, yes. which uh, yeah I oh yeah they do things to me <laughs> anyway uh, next up Andreas being sullen and depressed behind the pair and looking off to the sunset only to just slightly tilt uh, his head and wish Marcy luck very sweet yeah, yeah yeah that's that's the Keith David we came to see yeah yeah <laughs> Keith Talent, Keith Talent, Keith David is very talented. Yes, he is. Even though he does the same voice for every character that he does, like you can put so much different emotion into it, and that's that's perfect for every character that he does as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the farewell that got me the most because it was so funny was Grime and Sasha because they're both being super military and official about it, and they both crack <laughs> up at the same time. Yeah, it lasts about three seconds of like a held salute, and then they're both like dual waterfall tears. Yeah, and they they, they go. <laughs> for the hug and fight me grime is the best gay uncle <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah and uh, he'll uh, he'll send his best regards to braddock and i forget the other guy's name still and and grime says i will as soon as the giant hole in my heart is healed <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't sasha also say she needs he needs to find them because they've been mia for like a year now yeah <laughs> 
But yeah, um, we get um the planters farewell, and uh, we have to end it on a on a spran against the world. Yeah, it's super spran against the world, and that's the last they see of each other before the time skip. I wasn't expecting the time skip, but I'm so goddamn glad it happened. Oh, sorry, I was hoping for a time skip epilogue because they're the best. Yeah, yeah, like it's a real epilogue. It lets you see a where are they now of characters with a little bit of melancholy and hope at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many, so many, everything is good in this epilogue. Yes. There is no bad. Yes. Even though we start on Andreas, who is still alive ten years later. Well, he's been alive for thousands already. Like, I know, but he got granted, fucked up in that final battle. Yeah, but like now that he's no longer super evil, he's got Polly to work on him. I guess. It, anyway, I do appreciate that ten years has, have passed and he's just doing what he can to help. Yeah, he, yeah he's being a gardener grandpa. And he also seems to be in self-imposed exile. Maybe so, maybe so. Well, there's no one with him and he doesn't report to anyone. He just seems to be going out to the wastes and planting seeds. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That, that's my interpretation. I'd love to hear yours if you've got a different one. Like, I didn't read too much into it other than the fact that, oh yeah, he's, he's being a cool gardener grandpa. Okay, Rick, and... we're doing a podcast. We need to read too much into things. <laughs> <laughs> I... Now, yeah, here's the thing. I didn't actually, it didn't click with me where he was in the world. Well, literally um, two seconds beforehand, we saw wasteland morph into grass. So I assume with him sowing seeds in his shot before looking off into the sky, I assume that the implication that, yeah. was he that's what he's been doing for 10 years is going to places that have been desolated and revitalizing them it could have been that but specifically that wasteland is where all the toad mech factories are so and then they turn into like telly houses yeah i don't like that <laughs> so like grass is growing over the mounds but they also still show the toad face yeah yeah like it's a cute little visual visual cue in my eyes at least yeah so yeah i still like to think where... that it's because andreas is going out sowing seeds okay i like to think I that also... he is doing his best to have a face turn. I also like the idea that these factories are becoming affordable housing. <laughs> That'd take a lot more effort, because they got to get rid of a lot of machinery. Well, the machinery without commands to be evil can just have a command to just dispose of itself, you know? Well, you assume that they got programmed that way. Most f- Ma- Rick, you know how programs work. You usually have one. Yeah, yeah. If evil, then go to one. <laughs> I don't think they fought that far ahead because, you know, why would you ever decommission these? True, Because when they were made, Newtopia slash Amphibia was invading other world for resor- uh, worlds for resources and that was it. Yeah, they were doing it all the time. And um, and it's, well, obviously for the fact that they have some of it on Earth means that they invaded Earth at one point or at least scouted it. We, we know that explicitly. In the flashback, they were going to invade Earth, destroy it to take all its resources, but that's the one that got stopped by Leaf. Yeah. We know that yeah. for a fact. That's not debatable. Yeah, because Leaf went, that's where she sent the music box all that um i didn't read the thing at the end of the credits in amphibian language no i don't fucking know what that they say (laughs) if you really care go on the subreddit or just google it and i'm sure somewhere it says this is what it says but i guarantee it probably says the end yeah almost certainly but generally yeah the other characters that have had time skips the ones that really matter are polly is now a frog and she looks really cool yeah, she looks like Sprig. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Toggle. Is his name Toggle? Togi? Lo- yeah, Log- Loggle. Loggle, fucks. Is, uh... Toggle, I think, is the fucking thing from Goblin Labyrinth. Uh, fuck, my <laughs> yep. brain's melting because we've been talking for two and a half hours. But yeah. um, Loggle, has, Loggle has skipped everything day and has gone back to being scrawny again. Okay, I super related with his sentence, though, because he said, I shouldn't have had that cheat day. And I cannot tell you, like having a cheat day and then forgetting that it was just a cheat day is one of the killers for diets. Yep. <laughs> 
but then we do see like Hero Sprig and Hero Ivy. Yeah, specifically, Ivy has discovered that there are islands off to the west. Yeah, there are completely undiscovered continents, and do you want to be first to, to set foot there? And there's only one answer to that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> l- listen, I said earlier on I'd love to see a spin-off of Mr. X doing Mr. X things. This looks like a proper sequel hook. Yeah, totally, totally. But just as e- just as easily, it's a it's a fling a light into the future kind of tag. You know what I mean? Like it's both a sequel hook and letting the viewer imagine the future. You know, we already know that Matt Braley is super about letting fan fictions live. Yes. So again, like if no official sequel, then it's something for those people to write about if they want to. Yeah. Plus, he was always down for like a beginning, a middle, and an end. He saw the Amphibia Pit as a three-part story, and that's the three seasons. Yeah, I respect anyone who has a vision and ends it. Yeah, uh, Gravity Falls is another one that had the same idea of there was only ever meant to be that much of Gravity Falls. I need to watch that at some point. Yeah, totally. Me too. But yeah, I've seen like the first couple of episodes, and that's it. <laughs> I've seen the memes. Yeah, like uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> oh boy, this is worthless. And uh, yeah, yeah, finally, that's a, that's after all these years, I have them all, which I think is a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got that. We've got um, Hot Pop and his missus are finally together, and they're just enjoying retirement thanks to his California avocados. Yeah, yeah. He's he's harvested some avocado seeds from Earth, and is now he's now the number one specialist in California avocados. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see everyone basically. We, sorry, we see that adorable scene of Yunnan going, "Ha, huh, maybe." my enemies have found me from blah 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 uh, you could recite it from memory as we learned but we're not doing that again and nope. we just have Olivia going yes we know dear and it, <laughs> it's so perfect and adorable and I love it and the fact that Yunnan stops as well it shows that they, they have the, this nice little bit of back and forth respect you know yeah and uh, yeah as we learn everyone who is everyone is assembling for the unveiling of the new statue we learn that Toadie's the new mayor yeah. thanks to the old mayor knowing who to bribe yep. which is awesome <laughs> And he's now his Toady. Yeah, except he doesn't act like it, does he? Not not quite to the level that Toady did. Nah, he's more of a um, a benevolent a benevolent benevolent grandpa, you know. So, sort of. It's really odd because I ne- I've never liked the mayor. Even um, but you have to acknowledge that even though he is a greedy corporate piece of shit, he is nowhere near as bad as real life politicians because he still cares about his constituent. Ah, uh, con- yeah. oh, fuck Absolutely. that word. <laughs> yeah, his constituents. So when he's when the chips are down and he has to actually do his job he normally does a pretty good job apart from when he thinks there's going to be no consequences for not doing the job and taking the money yeah like the big one we see is uh in at the end of season one where he helps the frogs escape from the toads yes despite being a toad himself it's really uh, it's still unclear because he's very small for a toad but he's clearly bigger than a frog by miles yeah like that chin is what says toad to me so yeah but he might just be a bullfrog oh that, that could be a cool one actually yeah uh, we know different species of frogs have different characteristics like the cannibal ones yeah yeah uh but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the ones and the ones that get the um, the Hulk mode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as we learn, all the characters of note are basically arriving in Wartwood to see an unveiling of their statue to Anne, and uh, we see Grime being side hugged by his sister, and Grime is doing just okay with one arm. So thank fuck. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Which is a bit of a shout out to just frog biology in general, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing that 
kind of suck for Toads is that now that they're in a time of peace, their number one specialty that they've been basing their entire culture around, they no longer have a need for it. Uh, incorrect, because they still live on a deaf world. Well, true. Okay, fair enough. Like, I get where, I get where you're coming from in that they can't bully the other races anymore, the sentient ones, but they're still going to be needed for their muscle. Sure, sure. But then again, like a lot of the um, predator races have now been tamed to a certain degree, like the the poodle, the, the, the cat moths, for instance. Cool, we've got the cat moths, which were rare anyway. Um, they did do the herons, but we, do, we don't like that. <laughs> they did that to two herons specifically, and that was it. Yeah. Cool. So cat moths, which weren't really a big deal anyway, except for when they appeared, because they were rare, and the herons, which two specific herons got dealt with, which means there's still a fuck ton of things that will just kill things. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Okay, okay, I get you. I, I, I feel that. Plus, you know, if they ever want to settle anywhere else, like the islands out west where Sprig is going to go on an adventure to, they're going to need an army just to yeah. just to clear a space. Yeah, you're going to need your uh, colonist muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, number one way to get funding for an expedition is to promise a colony. Don't know if that's how that's going to work in the new Amphibia, but I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the human farewell, the ending. Yeah, yeah, the human farewell is very definitely 10 years later. They, yep, uh, explicitly stated. And it starts with Sasha picking up Marcy from the airport. Marcy dropping her phone. She's not become any less clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sasha has become a psychological degree holder and is now starting to work with kids to work through their mental trauma. And then immediately gets road rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we learn and... that even though Marcy moved, they all stayed in contact because the beauty of living in today's day and age is someone moving away doesn't mean as much as it used to. Yeah. The one that actually is surprising is that um, Anne and Sasha actually grew up, grew further apart over time just naturally, which is, it's normal and it's natural, but it was surprising because they still lived close to each other. Well, you're saying, yeah, I guess. But it's one of those where they, they explicitly say they never did, they didn't fall apart, they didn't fall out, they just, they had different interests, so their friend groups divulged, uh, diverged. Yeah, just the, the, um, the time between meetings just ten, tended to drift further and further apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not, not the people, just the time between meetings. Yeah. Also, we don't know how far apart Sasha's parents lived from one another. No. Uh, it could have no. been that one parent lived pretty close to the Boon Choys, but the other one lived on the other side of town. Or further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny if they just lived across the street from each other and just kept hurling rocks and abuse? No, that would be awful. I know. <laughs> Which is why I'm laughing at it out of nervousness. Okay. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, Marcy. M- Marcy has a good good one because she clearly meets new people when she moved away. People probably with mm. more with her interests, but still got to keep in touch with Anne and Sasha. And I, I think it's because I'm a soppy bollocks. But I felt yeah. really happy when Anne opened up an amphibia in the, uh, in the as soon as they went. They said they were going to meet her at the aquarium. I'm like, I know exactly what she's doing. Yeah. And w- when it's like the reveal at the end that her little uh, amphibian uh, part of the aquarium is called Amphibia and it's like welcome to Amphibia and when we see her she's holding a little frog that is clearly identical to Sprig and then when she calls it Sprig it's like yeah no shit yeah <laughs> I wonder which number Sprig that is oh fuck I don't know frogs live a while yeah fair enough fair although enough. that one's clearly a juvenile so eh. yeah it's incredibly small actually it might not be a juvenile because fucking tree frogs aren't big yeah yeah anyway we digress Um, yeah they're, they're, they're going to see Anne to celebrate Celebrate her uh, her birthday. We know that that she's twenty three now. And um, yeah, I, I, what can I say? It, it felt like a very good ending. I was smiling at the end. Yeah, and they both got her a present. I was I was kind of expecting one of the presents just to be a handmade copy of the music box. That would be. I don't know if that would be a good gift. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? Um, yeah, but like, not a, not a real one, but you know, this is like, this is a handmade thing that's just, oh yeah, remember that, you remember that thing that we did? As if you could ever forget. Yeah, um, yeah man, uh, just as an aside, um, I did put this in my notes as well, um, when I did, when I went to college, mm-hmm. I did animal care. Yes. My aim in animal care was to use it, that degree as a springboard to get into herpolo- uh, herpology, which is what uh, yeah. Anne is. Uh, yeah, her- yeah, yeah. Herpology isn't actually the study of amphibians; it's the study of reptiles. Yeah, so like, so amphibians sort of come under the under the uh, under the branch, you know. Yeah, the the big one in that is snakes because they are the ones that people tend to encounter the most and you know get venomed by the most. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to go into the care of snakes. However, I did an apprenticeship at a um, a pet shop that specialised in reptiles and quickly realised that doesn't matter how small the snake is, if it is aggressive, I don't like dealing with them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with docile snakes. I, I got into this weird situation where, sorry, I'm going to go on a story, but fuck it, we're already long in the tooth, so it don't matter. Um, of um, I wouldn't feed the baby snakes because the baby snakes were dumb. They could not tell the difference between a hand and the food. Ah. But on the flip side, the adult snakes, which I had to take out of the enclosure and put in separate feeding boxes so they wouldn't accidentally eat each other while eating, I just took them out, put them in the boxes, put their food in, and they'd eat, and it'd be a-okay. And it got to this weird stage where my boss at the time was... Um, was like okay I'll go um I'll go fetch the big snakes out of their enclosure and put them in their feeding boxes so you can feed them I went I've already done that and he was like uh, you don't like the baby snakes I'm like I don't like the baby snakes because they try to bite me uh, <laughs> you know yeah they, they don't know where the worm ends and the finger begins nice but okay well fair enough yeah don't f- well they're, they're, they're bigger than I was expecting then you don't feed I don't think you ever feed worms to snakes okay like all right it's not a mouse it's a pinky but it's still a mouse yeah yeah a little like like thumbnail size little pinky yeah, yeah and you only feed them like once every it once once a week sometimes because that's a big meal for a baby snake yeah it is <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah digression aside it, it's cool because all three of them have got very uh yeah they've got separate interests separate careers and obviously separate lives and yet they're still good enough friends to have these reunions which i think again is a great message to give to the target audience of young teenagers slash young adults because hey you if you're friends with people it's okay yeah the world is big you're gonna be in it somewhere and it's it's okay to not be right next to your friend all the time. It just makes reunions all the sweeter. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about, or shall we? Shall we wind down? I think we can go back, go straight into the final three. I think from this. So, from Amphibia season three, do you have a favorite moment? Ending shot yeah. before before the credits, where you have got all three friends being reunited and just being happy for each other. It gives me the fuzzy. Mm, mm. Uh, what about you? Favorite moment? I'm torn between interrupting General Yunan with We Know a Deer <laughs> and just. The, the whole of that whole um, time skip for the frogs. It's one of those where um, it's a bit cheaty to give it to the whole, like even half the epilogue, because that's a whole solid five minutes. Yeah, to give it to that whole little sketch is probably a bit cheaty because I really liked the um, the, the, the planters aged up designs. So yeah, it's probably going to have to focus, laser focus in on, we know dear. Hmm, cute. Yeah, very <laughs> cute. Can't, uh, can't argue. But yeah, uh, we can't always talk about the best stuff. Sometimes we have to talk about the stuff that wasn't quite so fantastic. So do you have a weakest link. It was very difficult because this show is uh, no show is perfect, but this is pretty darn close. Mm. So it's a great cartoon, and I'd recommend it for anyone. And the best thing is, it's suitable for all ages, except for that one episode where they put a warning. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 
weakest link goes to, and I already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again because I need to give it to something. And very quickly brushing off the potential death of Marcy is uh, yeah. is very odd and somewhat out of character. But it's very it's also kind of believable from a certain point of view that her not wanting to think about it is therefore so she just brushes it aside and pretends it it's fine. Don't worry about it. And that is in her character. It is. It is. It's just it's also in her character to be super worried about something. You know. Yeah. So, it's one of those like, but so much th- so much happened in the episode before that I can kind of understand a brain kind of shutting down and brushing things under the under the rug. Yeah, I just think it's, there should have been more than more more time than none at all on Anne just yeah. being like, oh shit, Marcy just got stabbed and I might never see her again. Yeah, 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 absolutely, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it was very tough because Amphibia is a good show, so finding a weak link a bit tricky. So now it's your turn, Rick. <laughs> What's your weakest link? Again, difficult to pick one um, because there basically aren't very many. We said a few things about there being some less memorable episodes, but you also kind of need them to stop there being whiplash after whiplash. I mean, you, you do need them because, like, as much as I glossed over the uh, the uh, cat moth getting recruited and Titon- uh, Titonio, Titonio, whatever you want to call him, um, like, if those episodes didn't happen, if when they just if they just suddenly showed up in the episode where it was important, it'd be weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one of those things where you could have had certain things of those be the B plot to well, the A and B plot to each other, for instance. You can't, you can't, because bear in mind each ep- each and quote unquote episode is only ten minutes. You can't have A and B plots. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But it also applies to some of the human world stuff as well. Like there were some bits that weren't quite as um, they weren't quite as memorable. Like Hot Pot becoming a actor wasn't quite as memorable as the Mister X stuff, for instance. Yeah, but they needed it. They needed it. That that was part of the Mister X stuff. Yeah, true, true. And without that plot point, they wouldn't have been able to do the uh, the breakout in episode ten. So what you have demonstrated is exactly what I wanted, that any criticism I have can be very easily combated by logic. Yeah. And therefore, I don't really have a weakest link. Well, it's the thing, isn't it? Because, like, you can't you can't argue for things getting cut because, mm-hmm. every, as we just established, you say X and it's just like, well, X has to be shown, otherwise Y wouldn't make sense when that happens. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't think there's any technical aspect of this show you can criticise. Sound design's great, voice acting's class, art style's awesome, direction, not a flaw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, my weakest link is refuted. (laughs) And therefore, we're going to get into our final one of who or what is your MVP. I'm going to cheat, Rick. Go on then. Matt Braley. I'll accept that, 100%. (laughs) Whenever you go for the creator of a thing, slash producer, I forget what his official title is, it's like, um, you gotta... It's cheating, you know? Because you're basically going, everyone was great because this person made the thing and he made all the right... And all the decisions were made correctly, so therefore they get it, you know? But it's like... It would be unfair to pick Anne because then you're ignoring all the characters. It would be unfair to pick a specific voice actor because no voice actor did poorly. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. And the world, oh, it's so beautifully fleshed out. It's the culmination of three seasons. You want the world to be fleshed out and they did it well. They called back to everything in this final season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Apart from like fake Grunkle Stan, but that was kind of just, a, that was just a fun <laughs> throwaway episode anyway, let's be honest. Yeah, it was one and done. <laughs> um, but yes, um, Rick, I cheated. I don't care. Are you going to cheat? Let's find out who's your MVP I'm going to say the Wartwoodians specifically the Wartwood inhibit- inhibitant 
inhabitants in the latter half of the season where they were the backbone of the resistance and as much as adding any part to the resistance was both appreciated and needed there needed to be a skeleton for it to be added to they showed incredible resilience um and character growth and i think they really did tip the balance uh, they didn't tip the balance they were the scale yeah <laughs> i like that one but yeah oh i'm glad you like it because it don't make no sense but you know <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. yeah 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 but yeah so my mvp is going to the inhabitants of wartwood but yeah that's about it from me and Devin. if you liked the retrospective today you have the comment section down on youtube and if you're listening to us on one of the audio platforms you can send us an email where would you send this to nonsense for you I'm tired. NonsenseReviewUK at gmail.com. Once again, that is NonsenseReviewUK at gmail.com. And as always, if you made it this far, you are our favourite people. And it's going to be a goodbye from me. And boy, oh boy, nearly three hours. This is probably the longest podcast we've ever recorded. (laughs) Uh, Granted, it will show up shorter than that because editing wizardry. But, you know, thanks for sticking with us. We're glad we got to watch Amphibia. We're we're sad that it's over and we're kind of looking forward to see if anything else sort of spins off from it whether it be a spin-off because of something interesting earlier on or a straight up sequel um but the only way we can get that is if everybody watches this once it's released in full on disney plus so yes absolutely we live in england so we're being a bit filthy about things um because we don't have access to certain things however as soon as it becomes available on disney plus wherever make sure you watch it because it's the only way to let disney know that we as fans like this content and want more and i didn't pull that out my ass i'm basically parroting something matt braley said on twitter yeah, it's going to be very, very, very much worth a re- rewatch whenever the time comes. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, when it's out on Disney Plus, do the creators a favor and watch it. Let Disney know what you want to see more of. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, again, thanks for watching slash listening, and join us next week for more retro. Bye.